Mike, turn your games down. Hi, episode 262 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, and who's getting frustrated when their weapons break and they fall off because it's raining with me tonight? Broken weapon enthusiast, Carrie Chandler, Carusetta on Twitch and YouTube. Hey, listen, <laughs> it's me, Blake. Hang on. Nice to be here. Welcome. Hello, Nate here, enjoying an egg that Blake made me. That's why he couldn't talk. Hot Mike. <laughs> Hot Mike. Where can people right. find you at? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Nate Does Comedy 79 or at Nate Does Comedy. I never know. <laughs> and i'm barry where you could find me on twitter or x whatever you want at hawk hellfire you could also find our video games we publish at premium edition games.com physical games right now for the nintendo switch from playstation 4 and 5 with several titles available for pre-order and many titles in stock right now sorry barry oh, yeah, a game premium. my mom found we always call twitter twitter because fuck him so. Yeah, I I, I, I <laughs> Twitter too, but I know there's going to be that one person that goes Nit X now actually. Sure. Hey, you know what? Until <laughs> Twitter doesn't direct, you, if you type in Twitter.com, doesn't direct you to the website, it's still Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and until you until you start doing X's and re-Xing people. <laughs> uh, I was doing. Uh, some it's X the only thing I will dead name Twitter. Fuck Elon Musk. <laughs> Oh, the wild. So we are here to celebrate five years of this podcast. I've been going, and the time Ooh. you're hearing this, it has been going for five years. You will Ooh. hear this the day after the anniversary. If you listen to it the day it comes out, haven't missed a week. I'll give myself a pat on the back. I oh, that's amazing. Back. That, that is awesome. impressive. Good job. Give you, a pat, give you a pat on the front and the back. There you go. Ooh, Good pat on the front, uh, huh? I'll take it. <laughs> so, yeah, five years. If you listen to the show, we haven't missed a week. We have put, at this point, we're getting close to 600 episodes because I published so much freaking episodes. We did our first game of the year for this year. Like, you know, we're, I'm hitting my stride even more at 500 episodes. And we yeah, just I wasn't crossed... to that. What the heck, Mike? Oh, <laughs> you didn't comment on the post, Mike. I forgot to ask <laughs> Uh, I was even sure I was even going to get it done in time. That was part of it, too, because I procrastinated. And I went, oh, shit, I, it's December 15th. I haven't started yet. That was part of it. So. <laughs> and we just crossed over 150,000 downloads. So show is doing really great. If you listen to the show, please subscribe. Tell people. Hey, and join our Discord. Please join our Discord. I don't know what you say in the front of the episode. If you listen to the show, just join the damn Discord, please. I need more people to talk to. Do it. <laughs> You'll see a link in the show notes for that. And we are here to talk about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, developed by Nintendo, came out in 2017, a game that I have bitched about on this podcast many, many, so many times. <laughs> and I am happy to say I was fucking wrong. So Good. Glad to I hear it. Awesome. I'm happy to say that. I played this game the day well, I bought it when it came out for the Wii U. I played it right after I beat Dark Souls 1. I think I played a couple times, got off the Great Plateau, got to the Zora City, got to the Divine Beast, beat the first part of the Divine Beast, got inside and said, I don't like playing. I don't want Dark Souls in my Zelda. And <laughs> I only have three hearts, a little bit of stamina. I just didn't like the game. There were no tutorials online to look up anything. And, you know, anyone knows me. That's how I play games. And I turned it off and had no interest to ever go back. But these fellows kept telling me how great this game is. So. That's my history with Breath of the Wild. What about you, Carrie? Yes. Yeah, so this is my number one favorite video game of all time. I'm a big Zelda fan. It's my favorite series, which incidentally, my second favorite series is Dark Souls. But yeah, I'm 40. I got the original Legend of Zelda for Christmas 1989. We got, a U we got an NES and the Legend of Zelda 
and RC Pro-Am, and then it came with Mario and all that. And I've been playing that game ever since. I, I played through the original Legends of Zelda at least once a year for at least 30 of the last, or at least 25 of the last 35 years or so. And this game is the like culmination of that to me. It is the most like the original Zelda, any of the Zelda games. I mean, it was designed that way. If you if you look at the background of it, you know, they the first like kind of working thing for this was they did the mechanics of this game in a engine and basically an original Zelda engine modified just to see how it would be. But it's that same idea of you've got this big open world. You can go anywhere, but you've got kind of a, a path you should follow to, you know, to make it easier and optimal. But you can kind of go almost anywhere. But there's some places you can't go quite yet, but mostly you can. It's I just adore this game. I, I love it so much. I, I have over 200 hours in it on my Switch account, my main Switch account. But then I've also played it a bunch on my son's account and on a third account. And I've played some on a fourth account, done all the DLC uh, still haven't hundred percented it actually because I I didn't use a guide I've never used a guide of it I've just done my thing with it but yeah I lo- I love this game I got it the day I got it before it came out kind of I got it the day it came out I pre-ordered it I a month before uh, exactly one month before February third two thousand seventeen I was walking by GameStop and they had a poster up that said you know double trading credit if you trade your console toward a switch. And so I walked in and confirmed that, went home and grabbed my my Wii U and my Xbox 360 and came in and traded them both in. And that gave me enough store credit to fully buy a Nintendo Switch and a copy of Breath of the Wild and put me $30 toward a copy of Mario Kart pre-order. And then all that. And then came in one month later, picked it up on the third and sat down and probably played 10 hours that day. And yeah, I just, I love it. My son turned five um in april of 2017 and i had told my wife i promised her i wouldn't introduce i wouldn't let him play video games until he turned five so he spent one month sitting next to me watching me play this and then when he turned five we created his profile and we started playing through with him with me holding one joy con and him holding the other and you want to talk about dark souls of zelda that's the real dark souls of zelda play this game co-op one of you control link's legs one of you control his arms and we got through about three fourths of the game playing it that way. So yeah, that's 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 kind of that's a big nutshell, but that's my experience of this game in a nutshell. It's like co-op high roll edition. Yeah, it's it's man, it's really that's fun right. that way. It's really fun. It, it as long as you don't get mad at each other, which we didn't. So not too much. So <laughs> and now he's played through the game. He he, I, he told me that he's hundred percented it now, and he actually plays it on master mode now, and has gotten pretty far in master mode. He's 11 now, but this is. You imagine this being your very first video game you ever played. Like that's the bar very high, though. The rest of your yeah, life. you want to talk about the rest of your life, like <laughs> the bar being so high. You should have started them off with like Friday the 13th for NES, and just find all the freaking God what LJN games first, and Check then he could be out. like, well, you know, I have that like Zelda game and watch, like the new one, you know, that has uh, the original Legend of Zelda. Zelda, you know, Link's Link's Awakening and Adventure of Link on it. And he got a hold of that and has played through most of the original Legend of Zelda on that also. So he's so he's gotten the old he's gotten the first version also. And he's played through a little bit of Link's Awakening on there too. So but yeah, so yeah, that's my that's my experience with the game. Sorry I talk so much. I just like I said, this is my very favorite game ever, so excited that's, to get to talk about it. That's a big reason why this happened. You're all four of you played a part in the reason why I finally said, Okay, do it. 
So, and Barry, what about you? What's your history of Breath of the Wild? Oh, wow. We're, we're changing the order, I see. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm like, like Carrie, I've been a huge Zelda fan since Zelda 1. Now I'm, I'm, I'm 41, so the same age range. And I've, I've played every game and beaten every game at launch from Ocarina of Time onwards, which when I was high school, I finally had money to, to start getting things at launch. And I was so excited for this. I remember when, after the January uh, Switch event, they did the pre-orders for the Master Edition. And I think it went up at like 2 o'clock in the morning on Amazon. And I got the notification and rushed down on my computer and managed to get a pre-order in. That, that was really hair-raising and, and crazy. But sure enough, on the 3rd of March, it, it showed up, the Switch and everything. And, and I was able to just crack it open. And it, it came at the perfect time of my life because... My mother had been battling colon cancer stage four for two years at that point, and and she did not have long left. In fact, she died on March 26th. So this game was my escape, and it literally allowed me to get out of the hell I was currently living in because I was her caregiver. And any moment that I had to myself, I was able to escape into Hyrule. And ironically, I was able to beat it, not 100% at the time, but I beat it before she passed. It was like, that was like the last hurrah during that time period. It really helped me, and it's been very special ever since. And of course, Zelda. So it's great yeah. to be able to sit and talk about it. What a what a wonderful game. Truly a special game. And I completely understand what you're saying, Barry. As a guy who works in that field, I completely understand. Yeah. So... I mean, hey, that's what games do, though. You know, they and that will stick to the rest of your life. And, you know, I mean, and uh, Nate, what about you? Yeah, I got this game at launch. I got the Wii U version. That is the version I originally played and beat the game on because, you know, just didn't get a switch at launch. And then while I was playing this game, we found out that we were going to have a kid. So it was like two highs of my life. This amazing Zelda game and oh, I'm going to be a dad. So played the Wii U version. Yeah, I've played Zelda my whole life. Link to the Past was the first one. I watched my older brother play that, and I was too, I couldn't read, so I would just copy what he did in the game. And then uh, but by the time Ocarina of Time came out, I could read. And so that was like, that's like my favorite Zelda game. So Breath of the Wild really made me feel like I was a kid again playing Ocarina of Time and just going, this world is so big and I can do whatever <laughs> I want, you know? Okay. And Blake, what about you? So I've never actually played Breath of the Wild, but I'm super excited to hear you guys chat about it. <laughs> No, no, no. So mine's kind of similar. Like, uh, I'm 38, so old gamers unite here. And you know, I started with the uh, the original Zelda. But I actually, after Link to the Past, which is one of one of my all-time favorite games, fell off the series for a bit. Like, I've never played Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. It's definitely big holes in my in my kind of catalog here. You're missing out. I know. Yeah, I really want to play them. Uh, I'll get around to it one day. I swear before I die. So you know, I got a Switch. I knew, you know, uh, obviously the. The critical reception of Breath of the Wild was just off the charts, and I, I knew it was a game I want to play, it, and it appealed to me for reasons we'll get into. I, I feel like it just really, it really does something that only video games can do. You know, the, the medium of video games, something we're all pretty passionate about, and uh, we'll talk about those reasons. But it's just, just it's such a fantastic experience. And I knew from what I'd heard that I would enjoy it, and sure enough, uh, as soon as I picked it up, it was just, just enthralling. And me, me and Mike have talked about this a little bit before, but gosh, I just got completely lost in it, and just just the freeform kind of nature of the game. You know, you talked a little bit about Dark Souls. I, I feel like they do share a bit of that DNA. In the they do. Just like, you know, like, it's, it's only a game can provide that experience of just like, here's here's a canvas, like, paint your own journey. You know what I mean? And I'm not sure there's many other games that have ever been made that do that more than Breath of the Wild. So I am definitely super excited about this with you guys. 
That's actually one of my complaints, personally, <laughs> is that the game is too open and I have too much choice. <laughs> it's a personal okay. complaint of mine. Do you, do you also not like Skyrim and Fallout? And you mean a game uh, that I never yeah. played? Yeah, no I played Fallout 3, and I never played Skyrim, and that's on purpose. Man. So, All right, yes. well, future future episode, now that you've played this, let's play, let's do Skyrim 2. I, mean, I can hey, finally actually proved... finish the main quest in that game. Oh, I, I, Through I... the power of peer pressure, we're going to get I'm... Mike to play Skyrim. Let's say I have, I have I mean... upwards of 400 hours of Skyrim, and I've never gotten more than halfway through the main quest. And I love it. That's how. That's what I want. I want to I... just play. I'm playing Cyberpunk right now, and I've been like doing nothing but side quests for the last at least 30, 40 hours of that game. The main quest in Skyrim is not worth seeing through. I didn't see it through till the PS4 version came out, and I was like, I guess I should eventually like finish this, and then I yeah. did, and I was like, I'd rather have just never engaged with it. <laughs> exactly. I've seen I've seen the ending, and I'd rather play like the modded version that lets you do like your own thing with it anyway. So uh, I mean, I will do Skyrim someday, but I got you 100. Well, I took okay, I didn't 100. I 100 percent the achievements in Oblivion back when I played that. And I oh, beat that. You have so much choice in that game. You walk out of that. You walk out of that jail, and you can just go anywhere. Oh, I. And the, and the enemies even scale with you, so it's like it doesn't matter where you go. I didn't say you I enjoyed the experience. Anywhere. I just said I found the <laughs> game. There's a difference here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's Oblivion's all right. I've been a while, but I don't like endless choice. I like to be directed in a game. I mean, I beat this game in 40 hours for Breath of the Wild in a week. I played this game nonstop. Part of that was. I needed to beat this and get it over with so I could finally move on with my life <laughs> because of just the podcast and just my lizard brain at times is just like must finish move on to next thing and I couldn't yeah. do anything until I yeah I get I get if you're playing something for a podcast why you need to kind of like fast like whenever we played uh Assassin's Creed Brotherhood I just mainlined the main quest the main quest because I needed to finish it in time for the podcast so I would just, uh though I though I've like 100%ed it in the past but yeah. I would like to point out I went to how long to beat check Mike's time against just main story completion or main story completion time and that is 50 hours on how long to beat so congratulations Mike you beat and the I game I did a decent amount I did 72 shrines I did all four divine beasts I did the master yeah. sword I went to every tower now you had a you had a guide and a map and stuff right Oh god yes Yeah so I think that might be why you're it, yeah. what, what oh, yeah, there was the no that cuts the time down like, sure. I know the idea of this game is supposed to be you just exploring this open, vast world. You see something shiny, you go to it, you see a mountain, you climb it. And even back in the day, pre-podcast, when I first played this game, that is just not for me. I want Ubisoft open world. I want icons here, 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 oh, here. Oh, God, I hate like, that. I want that. I want you to tell me, you are 10 meters away. Oh, it must be up higher. It must be lower. Like, I don't want just... I mean, again, I'm glad and, this and you, game exists for the people who want this. It is just not what I want. No, I understand. Like, I think that there are kind of like two kinds of gamers when it comes to that, to open world like that, because I, I have friends that are like, oh man, Horizon Zero Dawn is so good. And I played it and I was like, this game, I hate, I don't like this. Like there's like the, I feel like I'm being led around by the nose with the story. Every time I like meet somebody, I have to sit through like a, a cut scene, like a long cutscene or like follow i have to walk around a camp slowly following someone as they talk endlessly and then i go out into the open world and there's just a thousand icons you know to walk around and, and click on and i hate it and it was like you know that's how assassin's creed is but with assassin's creed 
you've got the like historical elements and you've got the part the really good parkour and so i think that gets it i get i get past with that but i i i really prefer like my favorite one of my favorite open world experiences is morrowind where you don't even have a map and you just have to you just have to like you go to someone and like all right follow this creek for a few miles until you see a big black tree and then take a left and you'll see a cave. And then you, and then I do that, but I took a right instead of a left because I forgot, man, I found a fortress of orcs. I'm going to fight this fortress of orcs. All right. And then we look at my quest log. Oh, I took a right when I was supposed to take a left. Let me go check. And man, I love that. And this game, you have the map, but like, uh, you know, but you don't, like I said, it's not just like covered with these icons until you find stuff. And then, you know, you've got some icons that are on there, but yeah, I don't know. I think it is just like, you know, it's a I think it's two different ways to enjoy an open world game. And I think both are really popular. So it's I don't think it's weird to to prefer one over the other at all. But. I think it depends also what kind of gamer or what kind of even mood you're in or what, what your time restraints are, because I know some games now are yeah. giving you the option to have icons or not have icons. And I think it's one of those where it's like, hey, you know what? I, I just want to do the main story or I want to do this a little faster. You want the icons to just speed oh, yeah. it up a little bit versus I, I just want to explore. I love those options. And this game was one of the first ones that gave me the option to not have a HUD. And I've never played this with the HUD for more than about 30 seconds. In my over 400 or, or over 300 hours now on this game, I've never, I've never used the HUD. You turn off oh, wow. the stamina and heart meter and things? No, you can still see the stamina and heart meter whenever you use them. So if you get hit, your hearts show up. I think maybe the hearts stay up, actually. Oh, but you but you can't see like where it tells you to use the bomb or the sword so or stuff no, like that? So no, no mini-map, no bomb sword, stuff like that, no uh, Divine Beast icons, any of that stuff. Oh. I think, yeah, I love it. I I think it's yeah. I I can't no no no. no. Uh, that's that's how I played Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, yeah, that's how I played it, Tears of the Kingdom. It also, was yeah. it was honestly a really cool experience, just like not having that mini map to fall back on. Like oh. I used beacons a lot more in Tears of the Kingdom than I did in Breath of the Wild, just because I, I would like R three in and be like, oh, that's where I need. You know, that's where I put that. You guys yeah. told me how to never play this game. Thank you. Okay. I'm glad it's there. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's not for everyone. I'm glad they have both, but I I wish I could see an image. Oh, oh, image search. There it is. Yeah, all it shows you when you have the HUD off is your hearts. And I think, oh no, it doesn't show the hearts. I don't think it shows the hearts unless something happens, like you heal or get hit. I think that's all, because I'm looking at a lot of screenshots where there's no hearts either, but, but then I'm seeing some where there are. So yeah, I think whenever you have the HUD off, all you see is... Yeah, you don't see even hearts unless something happens to affect them. And that is like, I love playing that way. But yeah, there's no, like, I'm looking at what it looks like with the HUD, because that's how my son plays. And it like, it shows you the time and the temperature. You've got like a a sound meter telling you how loud you're being. You've got like what weapons you have access to or whatever, or what your buttons do. Uh, It's wow. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I play with no HUD. I love it. it. It's so immersive. So Barry, how do you play open world? Do you prefer just to explore? Or you like me? I like like icons that show where I'm supposed to go. So when I get to that tree, uh, uh, you know, I was supposed to make a left and it tells me, you know, go left. So I purposely will go right. I will purposely go every direction but the way I'm supposed to go until I've done all exhausted everything else. And then I'll go that direction. And it's kind of annoying when, you know, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know which way I'm going to go left here. And then I, that turns out to be the right way when I want to explore. I'm like, damn it, <laughs> I want to go do other stuff first. So I like knowing where I'm supposed to go. So I know where not to go at that <laughs> point. Yeah. 
I was I was just thinking okay. about it because I, yeah, I play without the mini map, and that's what can be a little rough is not having the mini map. So I'm I'm constantly pulling up the map to get reoriented. I wish I could have the HUD, but have like a little just mini map button to pop it up and off like a like Diablo, you know, where you can press the tab key to bring up the the, the mini map and then turn it back off. I would like that. That would help. I was thinking about because I'm playing Cyberpunk and I have that set to like a low HUD mode as well, but I still have the mini it still have the mini map on because it would be impossible to to navigate the city without a mini map to me. But this game is, you know, it's not it's it's not that big of an open world. And it's in the, the the biomes are pretty distinct and you've got landmarks and stuff. So it's not that hard to get along without. And you've got like the sun to give you your like east and west and all that stuff. So, but it, yeah, I, I just, I mean, I love that. I've always I been a fan of mini maps. I couldn't imagine without a map. Oh, Blake, what about you for open world stuff? You know, I'd say like as I've got older and, you know, we all don't have the time to game and stuff like we used to. And especially, you know, I know Mike is this way. And, or can be, and I am certainly. I can tend to take uh, breaks sometimes between games. So I would say I appreciate the option for that kind of quality of life stuff. But I've kind of consistently found that some of my favorite gaming experiences, some of my all-time favorite games, uh, like Elden Ring, Breath of the Wild, Outer Wilds is a game I've gushed about uh, just numerous times. Another game that does this really well is um, I think I just I love those games that, that do it really purposeful. It can it, it can be a tough kind of trope to pull off, but the, the games that, that you know that I've mentioned that pull off that exploration where everything just feels really meaningful, meaningfully placed, you know, with obviously a lot of thought put into it. I've just found that consistently these games have just been games that I've enjoyed more than any other. So I just I definitely lean towards that, like letting the gamer kind of discover these things on their own. Although I definitely do appreciate the kind of quality of life options available. But just as a game design philosophy, I've I, I found that I just consistently gravitate towards those kind of uh, you know, exploration-heavy games. Yeah, I thought it was cool you, or you brought up Elden Ring because that's that's uh, my second favorite video game after this one. Right. It's you know it's Dark Souls with the Breath of the Wild treatment. It it feels like very Breath of the Wild, you know, inspired, sure. and, and it definitely is. Like you can see the Breath of the Wild influence on it. And like I was thinking about when you were talking about that. How when you go to a site of grace, which are their their version of bonfires, the site of grace has a little like wisp of golden light pointing the direction toward the nearest boss. Exactly. Or the nearest major world boss. That way, if you feel like, hey, I'm going to go take on the next major dungeon and world boss, then you just follow the little light point, you know, arrows. And if you are like, I don't have any business fighting a boss, I'm going to go in the opposite direction of this little light arrow. Exactly. I like the nudge without being forced, like like the, the Ubisoft, like we talked about. Like, hey, yeah. here's here's a big glowing icon. You must go here. You know. Or uh, so Ghost Ghost of Tsushima has like the leaves blow in certain directions to give you directions. It's just really cool. I, I, lo- I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, lo- I like that. that. I, I me, me too. I've got it. I haven't played it yet. I want to play it on PS5 now that I have. I have it. I have it in, yeah, I have it installed on my PS5. It's one of the first games I bought for it, and I still haven't played. It. Uh, There's no time. I, There's no time. So I definitely get the. I, I definitely get the appeal of getting a guide and, and blowing through this game. You could still have a ton of fun with it. I have one big PS5 game I'm going to play this year, which is Bloodborne on my PS5. That's oh, well, yeah, keep, keep me in mind. I love oh, yeah, Bloodborne, and it's the only Souls game I haven't beaten. So One of my all-time favorite games. Oh, yeah, that'll be a fun episode. Uh, but, Nate, what about you? How's your feeling open world? I prefer a healthy mix of, you know, I need some guidance every once in a while. But other times, you know, like, I just want to explore. So uh, I don't want too many icons on there. Okay. 
I, it's good to hear all the differences of what how you guys feel. Like, because that was one of my issues when I first played this game. I, they told me, "Oh, go find these memories." I'm like, "All right, part of the main quest." And I'm like, and, the, and she just gives me pictures. I'm like, "You want me to walk around this world and figure out where?" I'm like, "Fuck no." So can I can I t- can I tell you a secret about the memories? It's not that big a secret. Yes, you might know it. Every memory has some Hylian text underneath it. The Hylian text tells you where the memory is at. Oh. And so if you had, for instance, if you like look up a Hylian ch- uh, alphabet thing online, then you can translate them and it tells you exactly where to go. It tells you that the area to go in. But what I did, what my crazy brain did was after I found like six of them and I read that it did that online, I read that it did that. I took the names and where they were at and I re reverse engineered the Hylian alphabet from that to find the last like five. Well, that's cool. No. Yeah, so that that is that is um that is how crazy about this game I was. I reverse engineered the Hylian alphabet to figure out what because the the very last one I found it that one took me forever, even knowing where it was at. It was the one that's like it's in the edge of a little piece of woods in high in Hyrule Field, and the high the text just says Hyrule Field, and Hyrule Field is huge, and it took me a long time to find that that last the last of the first twelve because there is a thirteenth one. Spoilers. Yeah, no, that that was one of my turnoffs originally. Like when I did this time, I just, you know, cheated, so I didn't care. Like I had guides. I was like, yeah, this is fine. I can figure out. You tell me exactly where it is. But like little things like that would upset me because it's just too much. Like this game had all the things I don't like in games. You no, know, like we like we talked about, you know, an open world map that doesn't explain to me. You you put me in a situation where my weapons break, which really doesn't matter that far into the game. Once I actually got into the game, I realized that I'm fine. By the time my weapon breaks, I just avoided combat for the most part. Yeah, the, the weapon breaking is, I think, the number one uh, complaint people have about the game. And I definitely recognize it as a valid complaint. I personally find it to be a benefit, a bonus. But I, and I, I because the reason they put it in there, I like, which is to force you to not get settled on one thing. You know, you think when I play Dark Souls a lot of the time, usually, I mean, you know, Dark Souls 1, I'm like, all right, this time I'm going to do a Claymore build. And so I get the Claymore. I get my strength up to 18. All right, I'm Claymore for the rest of the game. From like an hour into the game until I beat the game, I'm using the Claymore. I never touch another weapon. And that's that can be kind of boring, you know? In this game, you're always you're always finding new stuff. You're always getting new weapons. And so you're always trying out new combinations. The game kind of is pushing you to do that by making them always be breaking. But I do understand that some people just, they, they want that. They just want, I want, I found a weapon I like, I want to just use this weapon. And I think it would be, I think if I made one change to the weapon system, I would make the master sword not break and then don't make the master sword very powerful, which it's not. The master sword actually doesn't do very much damage compared to a lot of the other weapons, unless it's being used against Ganon Blight. So anything that's been infected by Ganon's Blight, by the Calamity Blight, it takes like double damage from the Master Sword. And then the Master Sword does a ton of damage. And then you also can power up the Master Sword in the DLC to make it, I think, triple. I think, well, you 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 buff it up three times. I don't remember how much it does it. But but if you if you made the Master Sword maybe a little weaker than it is, but make it never break, then I think that would solve a lot of people's complaints because then you're like, okay, but but the Master Sword, at least, that doesn't break. Well, I was And okay it doesn't really it. break in the game either, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a 10-minute cooldown. What you do is you put down the Switch for 10 minutes and go, like, edit a podcast or do something there else you should be there doing. There you go. See, it's, an inten- it's, an inten- it's like when the Wii would have the little thing pop up saying, hey, we should take a break and go play outside. You know, it's like that. <laughs> oh, like Metal Gear Solid 2 at the end? 
you should you've been playing for a long time oh yeah, yeah. see i always think of the virtual boy oh yeah the virtual boy <laughs> the, had to do that so that people didn't literally go blind <laughs> hey we've been firing red lasers into your eyeballs for like 15 minutes you need to take a break that's not that great no, I just, I mean, I got over the weapon break. It's really just, also when I first played this game, that was my issue because I kept fighting. In this point, I didn't fight unless you had something I wanted or you were in my way for a reason where I had to fight you. If it was a situation mm-hmm. where I could just run my ass away, I ran my ass away. That was part of the issue. I had to learn that because after playing Dark Souls, I fight everything in Dark Souls because I love experience and I'm a sucker well, for that. Anything you don't kill might walk up behind you and kill you later, yeah. so... That too, I mean, so my my brain was very in the Dark Souls mode when I first played this, and when I played it this time, I watched watched like multiple YouTube videos on how to play Breath of the Wild. Before I played it, I talked to you guys constantly in the chat while playing it, and it made the weapon not breaking a thing. Like, I would, at one point, I really only hunt, if you had a bow and arrow, I hunted your ass down. If you didn't, a lot of them, if you were like, if you, depending on what color you were, I just ran my, if you were black, we're running my ass away. I'm not dealing with a black monster that's going to be stronger and more powerful. I'm like, nope, we're just going to leave you alone. Like, you don't need to be messed with. If you're red or blue, we're killing you, but not if you're a darker color. The, the base game has white also, right? Or is that only in the. I think I, there was white, wasn't there? White. Yeah, white. Yeah, white's, silver. white's above. White, uh, silver. Yeah, silver's above black, and then gold yeah, is all, not, gold's only in master mode. They're not real common. I think the silver no, is silver's more, rare. Okay, because when I got to the castle, when I went, when I finally went to Hyrule Castle, I fucking fought nobody, and I followed. I found a guy that showed like a real like trick way to get there, and I yeah, did that. Metal did Gear Solid version. It wasn't in my path. Yeah, I literally I did, climbed I, up the walls, and I didn't find the shield on my own. That was something where like my son, like after I'd already beaten the game, and then still put another like sixty hours into the game after beating it. He was like, "Why don't you get the Hylian shield?" I'm like, "Well, I never found it," and he told me where to get it. So I think no, that's. Barry. I was going to say what you're going to say. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I just, I, that that's another complaint I do have is that the Hylian shield also breaks. It's yeah. a super high durability, but I'm like, come on, like those are iconic. Like that should not break or at least yeah. have the same kind of cool down that the Master Sword has. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think having like maybe one set of weapons, uh, a sword, a shield and a bow that are like late game that don't break would be like a good addition. Well, and those just, are those are iconic. I mean, yeah, iconic yeah. ones. Like you could find like uh, the Twilight Bow because the twi- the the Twilight Bow is the Twilight Bow in this game, or is that only in Tears of the Kingdom, where you find Zelda's bow from Twilight Princess at the top of Hyrule Castle? I think that's only in Tears of that's the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom. But yeah. those are all from Amiibo, though. I mean, you can get it from well, Amiibo. Oh, you can also get them from Amiibo, yeah. Right? I but didn't... you get but, but you can get the Twilight Bow from the from the top of the castle in, in Tears in Tears of the in Kingdom. Tears. What they did is they made all the Amiibo exclusive armor available to get within the game you have to oh, find them. right but you don't was, need amiibo. it was you stuff that was ami- and those things were amiibo only in breath, in breath of the wild, of the wild yeah. oh right right okay that makes sense See, yeah that I, was also my mistake when i first played this game is i i used amiibo constantly and it took away a little bit from the game because then i maxed out my inventory slots i didn't i didn't understand i had items that made no sense to me i had art like i had it was just very confusing, and this time I didn't use Amiibo at all, even though I'm surrounded by like 50 of them, probably. But yeah, I I did I I have I have like uh, I have six Zelda Amiibo because I'm not a big like I don't collect Amiibo or or whatever. I, but I kind of but I have six Zelda Amiibo and two Metroid Amiibo and, and then a, and then a one Street Fighter. I have a Ryu, and that's all I have. But I did use the Amiibo a good a good deal, mostly after I beat the game just to when I was like just trying to collect everything 
And uh, I do think that's kind of, I'm not a fan of the, if you're really trying to collect everything that you have to either buy these expensive limited edition toys, or you have to buy or create your own, which, you know, eventually I was like, I got like a pack of 200 NFC tags on Amazon for $5 and my phone can create Amiibo, <laughs> can, can program NFC tags. And so I've got an app where I can make every Amiibo that's ever been made as an NFC tag. But then I ended up just instead of sitting and doing that for like hours, I spent 20 bucks on a pack of every Amiibo card for Breath of the Wild. Um, I mean, that's good. Mostly for my for my son, because he wants to collect everything in this and Tears of the Kingdom. So I get and then he just he'll sit there and run through them on Tears of the Kingdom. Um, that's what you should do is just buy the cards. I have the whole Amiibo. Yeah, well, I have make, all your, the make, your, make your own because like fuck, fuck Nintendo and their artificial <laughs> scarcity with these yeah, toys and people spending like uh, it's ridiculous. Well, they've been oh, doing I, reprints to be fair, like lots of reprints. On the they, they have done, but there's some that they don't like. I, I really I love them because they're just um they're relatively speaking cheap, really nice looking little statues yeah. of my really? favorite stuff. Because like I have st- two more- that I paid more than <laughs> at retail for. I don't know what I paid because my wife bought me both of them because they were the two that I could not find. Chic, and then my dumbass didn't buy Link's Awakening Link. And I thought he looked stupid. I, I, I didn't. Like, I'm like, I don't need this. But I got really lucky. Well, not really lucky, but there was like a Cyber Monday or no, it was like a Black Friday online deal with Toys R Us back in like 2019 for specifically Zelda Amiibo, where it was like each time you buy one, uh, it's like buy one, get the other one half off, buy one, get half off. And I so I bought, I got Link and Zelda. I got like two different Links and Zelda that way. And I, I actually ended up buying, I ended up buying like several more and then reselling them for just base $15 price and made back all my money to where they ended up being, it ended up, in the end, ended up being free minus whatever the eBay fees were. That's not bad at all, then. Yeah, well, I, I hate right. sca- I hate scalpers, so I like was like I'm going to sell these at their MSRP, but get my money back. So yeah, you yeah, get the right way. Back's fine. Now, Nate, how do you feel about Amiibos? I collect them, all the okay. Zelda ones at least. Um, I am missing a few before I took the deep dive, but yeah, I'd use them in the game. I mean, whatever. I got a lot of fish uh, from the Wind Waker yeah. Amiibos, and just yeah. Cooking up some fish. <laughs> you know? Does anybody Get have never saw it coming? Does anybody have the Link Wolf Amiibo? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have that one. And that one's a lot of fun. And if you didn't power it up in Twilight Princess HD, then it's not like game breaking or anything. Um, if you powered it up fully in uh, Twilight Princess HD, it's pretty like easy mode, honestly. But if you didn't, then I just have the th- I just have mine set to three hearts. And so you just have a little like three heart companion. It's it's, you know, he he takes care of like the the best thing is like when you're running through wildlife area, he just is like taking down deer left and right. So you got plenty of uh, steak. I should have did that. Yeah, Cause I, I didn't use him this time. I used him the first time I played. And I completely forgot about him. I beat Twilight Princess HD back on the Wii U. God, I wish that game was on the Switch. But I think the hero there. But and I just I completely forgot. I don't know. I was being stupid. Like I have I have all the Zelda amiibos. I have other amiibos, and I was going to do it, but because of my bad experience when I played this game the first time, I was I don't know why I was like I don't want to cheat, even though some people consider me the guy cheating. But hey, no, I, there. I get what I you're know. saying though. It, it does it, it using it early game especially would could could. Could I mean honestly, your weapon, how powerful your weapon is, doesn't make that big a difference. But it could it could make a difference really early game. Late I was game worried is just would, for collecting. 
I wanted the experience of the game, and I wanted the experience how I sh- of what the game wants me to have. I didn't want to subject myself to a different to a weird experience. I think that was part of my problem. And I had really good armor, really good weapons, and I'm still getting my ass killed by a fucking mob, a red mob, because I yeah. just didn't understand the game. So my mindset was very changed. My the very first time I used an amiibo in this game. I used the, I remember I used my Ganondorf amiibo from Smash Brothers and it, you know, during a lightning storm. And so all the, you know, barrels and chests and stuff fall from the sky and I'm opening the chest to get an item and lightning strikes the chest and killed me. And I was like, all right, 10 out of 10 video game. (laughs) Seriously. Like, do you have amiibos or share our obsession? I do. Yeah, I have a ton of them. It's so funny. I can't tell you how many times I've booted up the game. Like, I'm going to use my Amiibos this time and not once through my, what, 80 hours of gameplay did I ever remember to actually use the Amiibo. <laughs> and I've got tons of them. Okay, so I'm glad I'm not the only one. I mean, I don't know, it was just, this is one of the games where I had one of the worst experiences I've ever had with, also, I don't pre-order games. I never buy games brand new or try to pay $60. But besides Nintendo says, ha fuck you, Mike, you're paying 60 sometimes. I try. I try not to. But... So that was another thing for me that really stuck with me because in the, in the time that my wife and I have been together, which we, I should know this, <laughs> we've been together eight years. I've only pre-ordered one game and that was this game. And I never even, I didn't even play it for more than a few hours. So she always would give me a hard time about that. So yeah, I never pre-ordered a game again. <laughs> but I mean, it's just such a bad experience with this game. And, and so I was, I was really coming to it much differently. Cause also another thing we haven't talked about yet that also affected me which really is irrelevant as the game goes on. Is I didn't like the fact that you get too cold and you <laughs> early on. Like that bothered me too, and it's really not a big deal. I kind of like that to be honest. Yeah, I, it, I love it. it. It changed up your expectations because how many of us have played video games? Like, like the, for me, the biggest one was like Tony Hawk when Tony Hawk first came out. So many people were playing it, and everyone instantly thought, oh, because I could grind on this sign in a video game, jump down, land on the floor, you know, and and and, and start ollieing, and I'm good. I can really skateboard. And then people started buying skateboards and falling on their asses. That's just video video games are about that escapism. So we, we run, like running through Hyrule Field, most of us would get tired far far sooner and we would Especially be like carrying like a, a backpack and a sword and all <laughs> with, that with infinite stuff yeah we would be like oh my god this is ridiculous i'm ready to just go home so i kind of like that that was one element like i don't like in games like you have to eat you have to constantly eat that's that's to me too realistic yeah um, but but like oh it's cold here it created a new strategy and especially because there's ways to circumvent that with gear and and food and potions and stuff so i didn't mind it personally yeah, that that first uh, cold place on the Great Plateau. That I can't remember how you do it, but there's some something you can trigger where you go to the to uh, the king's the old man's cabin, and he's got a winter coat in there that you can wear that is enough to withstand you just the cold. Run across it, I think, because I ran across it too, and I wasn't cheating a whole lot at this point. I was just doing the Great Plateau the way you do the Great Plateau because I've done it once before, and I did get that coat too. I think you, I think you just kind of happen across it. And I like later in the game in cold areas, I always had a uh, flame sword and would just pop that on my back and yeah, use my high level armor. Yeah. I mean, this time when I played the game like that and the guy told me, like every place you go to, there's somebody you can find pretty quickly that would be like, here's some equipment to get you by. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I looked it up. You have to go into the cold weather area and get to the top of the mountain. And then when you come back, uh, he's like, hey, here's this coat. So next time you don't have to mess with fire potions and stuff. But just. They- 
Hey, I saw you almost froze to death up there. I have this coat yeah. if you I think want. What I exactly. Is I just had a ton of food and I just kept eating and running for my life. And I got yeah. Well, dry. when you first got the 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 entrance that you're being pushed toward using to get into the cold area, which you don't have to, you could climb and get around. There are two bushes of fire peppers right there, and so. You've already been taught that you can cook by, well, maybe you have, I think you've already been taught that you can cook you are, yeah. um, at this point. And You're so, yeah. And so you can just take the fire peppers and just eat them or you can make some food. And then that, if you, that sh- there should be enough, if you do it correctly, there's enough fire peppers that you could get to the top of the mountain. And then, yeah, I think it's either when you come, I think you then you, when you come back down to the cabin, you find the warm doublet in a, uh, in a chest in there is what it is. But if I remember correctly, but, um, I, sorry, oh, no, I no, just, no, I'm I wrong. just want to go back to go like wearing a flame sword like the game accounts yes. for that. Like I yes. think like when I figured that out, I was like, God, that, that's so fucking cool. Like it is. That the is... game is just like, yeah, if you have a fire weapon on your back, like, of course, it's going to increase the temperature around you and keep you warm. You know, it's like that's that's awesome. Exactly. And you can similarly, you can wear an ice sword when you're walking through the desert. And it will keep you uh, cool in the sun. Like that's love that. That's such a neat thing. And then they continue that in Tears of the Kingdom. But you know now you can fuse things. And so I like collect the the shards off the back of the dragons. And so I've got an ice shard shield and a fire shard shield. And whenever I go to a cold place, I just equip the fire shard shield and just have it on my back, and vice versa. And then no no need you know don't have to change all your other gear necessarily. If it's super cold, you might need to also put on some clothes. And the same thing in this game. But that, for the most part, it'll get you through. I don't remember if that's the way with with Breath of the Wild, but I know with Tears of the Kingdom as well. Like if you have like you fuse like a ruby to your sword, so now it's flaming. Yeah. If you stand next to like ice blocks, it will automatically yes. melt the blocks and stuff. Like that is so cool yeah. to me. It does that. I think in that's in well. Breath of the Wild. Yeah. yeah. It, it yeah, definitely is because because uh, that when you're in Hebra. That's like there's so many of those ice blocks that have items or enemies inside. And yeah, I just would walk around and just hold my my sword. Similarly, you can use a torch or set a stick on fire. I mean, lots of different things you can do. Yeah, but, I love that they give you those options. And, uh, and like you. creating campfires to, you know, just like the campfire mechanic in this game. I love right. Like, oh, I, you, I have you don't want it to be nighttime. Put down a campfire. Sit. So, Carrie, I pulled a mic in this case. Uh, if Kobe, if you're listening to this, you'll you'll get this joke. I never figured out how to make a campfire. I never <laughs> did it. I put the flint, I put the wood. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I could not figure it out for the life of me. I never made um, a campfire in this game. So you never tried striking just... it? <laughs> you never tried like hitting it with fire? Hitting it? No, I didn't. Oh, gosh. I put the wood down. But I'm like, I was I was looking for a command or something. Like, like oh, you know, swing nothing. Swing your sword. Yeah. You literally just drop it and swing your sword? Yeah. Uh, if it's a fire sword or you if, can shoot it with a fire you arrow. Have a flint, though. Or if you have a flint, you can hit it with a regular metal, any metal weapon. Any metal. Yeah, if yeah. you have a metal oh. sword, you hit the flint, it creates a spark and lights the flame. And, what I and did is I just put get, the switch down and walked away. Get this, Mike. You make your campfire like that, right? Throw a fire pepper into the flyer, and when it catches on fire, it will create an updraft that you can then paraglide with to, to fly up in the air like yep. Revali's Gale. So it's a free Revali's Gale that you can do within 10 minutes of getting of opening the game. <laughs> Yeah, that didn't happen, by the way. Yeah, you, you, you like that's like a speed run trick to get up to the top of Mount Hylia to that shrine on the top of Mount Hylia real fast. Is that just nice. Yeah. I I just never figured it out. Like I knew because you guys talked about it. I'm like, I know it's supposed to be, and I I even looked online. The guy's like, oh yeah, you just you just do this. I'm like, but it missed the key word of if you're stupid, drop both items and hit it with a metal sword. Ta da! Not 
Just do that's it. What like, flint, if you take a piece of flint and put it next to wood, nothing happens. You have to strike flint yeah. in real life to create a spark. Yeah, I was say, it's, like, it's just like in real life. <laughs> this is a video game. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I love that. It's so immersive because, like, how many games before this had a mechanic like that? Like, I mean, maybe Skyrim? Yeah, Skyrim. Skyrim had some stuff even, like this. But they didn't have the flint thing. Even yeah. Like, Skyrim, you could, like, set. No, it didn't have that. No. no. I mean, it had things similar. It Skyrim had that kind of dynamic kind of stuff, but not that. Yeah, I love, I love just this. It's so, it's such an immersive gameplay because you're right. Like, well, I mean, an Ubisoft game would have a a campfire button. Yes, or at least you know? a symbol would pop up to say campfire, and that's what I was press, waiting. For. Press X to campfire. Yes, you know? and that's what I wanted. And, I and any, want... anytime, that's why I play about the HUD. It's like anytime you you press, it, you're told to press X to campfire. You're like, well, all right, I'm just playing a video game, but it's, but that's which I, I know. Oh yeah, I, I see. I love. I love that. That's that's funny. That, that is pulling a mic though. I love it. Huh. But you're gonna say that you played the game and you didn't like cook or something. You didn't make. Food. Oh, I I wouldn't have had a choice. I cooked a lot. I oh yeah. I maxed out my well. Any game, if you give me a healing away, I will max it out. Like I when I went to go fight Calamity Ganon, I was completely every 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 boss. I was maxed out on food. Yeah, my my big thing is uh the in the 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 Faron Jungle Tower. That's near where Feyrosh spawns the lake that he spawns out of in, uh, every day. There's a little plateau with like three Lazalfos Lazal on it, uh, right next to the tower that you can just you can you you know teleport to the tower and jump off the tower onto that little plateau and kill. Or it's a little shelf, little rock shelf, and there's like twelve durian that grow there. And the durian, you know, so you make uh, you take like a uh, one steak and four durian. And that will make you a food that fully heals you and gives you twelve temporary hearts. And Isn't so, the jungle the same place that had bananas. B A N N A N S. Yes, it has bananas too. It has it has I durian like and bana- has durian and bananas, and it also has a mighty thistle, a lot of mighty thistle around, which uh, do similar thing to the same thing as bananas. And so, yeah, I would just make I would make my my durian, you know, my durian steak, and then just have a, an inventory full of durian steak. And I get hurt, pop a durian steak. Now I'm at max hearts. Once once you get uh, what eight? I think once you have it, um, eighteen hearts. Because I think it's you max thirty in this game. Is that, I think. And so yeah, that's uh, that's what I would. Do. I never I reached max hearts. <laughs> I never max hearts either. I I got an I I got two thing two rings of stamina, and then I just did hearts. I ended up with like maybe fourteen hearts, and I was like, I'm I was in the second bar, whatever the second bar, maybe fifteen hearts. I was like, I'm good enough. Yeah, I was right. It was thirty. It's, uh, it's a max, a max of thirty. That's a lot. Um, yeah, see, I I never maxed hearts either, just because st- when you max stamina, you're three hearts shy, and you could fill it with food. exactly. Well, that's that's what I did too. Like I maxed stamina, and then so I ended up, and I didn't get all the shrines, so I ended up with like um, I think twenty four hearts. But then it's just uh, that's just two durian. So I would just make my you know piece of meat and two durian meal, and I'd always be at thirty. As as a completionist, I always that always bothered me. Like I can't max of both, but it makes you of, choose. Yeah, yeah, it makes you choose. But going back to the amiibo thing, that one thing I wanted to say, and is is actually a complaint about the game that they they fixed in tears is the lack of inventory room. Because if you with with the armor, you don't need to worry about you know 
using Korok seeds to increase your inventory. Yeah. But if you get every amiibo armor and every armor in the game, you cannot hold everything. There actually are more pieces of armor in the game than there are armor slots. Not by much, but... Are you talking in tiers or in Breath of the Wild? In Breath of the Wild. In tiers, okay. there's plenty. There's enough room for everything in tiers. Oh, for the armors, yeah. For the armors. Well, and, and also, you, and in tiers, annoying. you can build a house and put... No, you can arm, do that. You in, can fill armor stands. Yeah, but in, in Breath of the Wild, you have the house. But even with stuff on the walls, because I did that too, there's yeah. still enough. There's not well, yeah. <laughs> in Breath of the Wild, the, the, the walls, you can only put... Um, the weapon, weapons weapons and shields though so but with the with the armor is still not enough and i was like right. that to me that frustrates me because you're giving me you know because it, it's it's not one of those things where it's like there's thousands of pieces of armor there's a set number of pieces of armor and you should give us at least that much space especially with amiibo. totally you're agree buying you're paying extra for the amiibo and it's like oh now i can't use this tunic because i don't i have to toss something else you know, and, and especially they give like the switch shirt as a as a bonus and stuff. Oh like, yeah, you wish you could delete that switch shirt. <laughs> but but it's like <laughs> you're giving us this extra stuff, and it's like let us at least use it. Let us at least hold on to it. And as a completionist, that was like, oh, that bothered me so much because yeah, I, I'm, that would I'm like, me if too. I can't have everything, then I want nothing kind of deal. That's just the weird mentality I have. But thankfully, in tears, they fixed it. You can get everything. Yeah, but I totally agree. I, I fucking hate the Korok thing. I, that was another one of my issues when I first played this game, the limited inventory slot. When I first played this, I actually never saw any Koroks until <laughs> I looked, until like people talked about it and I YouTubed it and I knew what to look for. I was like, what the, I'm like, I was just, just did not run See, across. Uh, I love the Koroks. Like that's, it's so much fun. Like I, now I will just get on because I never found them all. Um, and so I'll should. get on. I'll get on and just look some more, look some more, find a few more. And the DLC helped with that. One of the DLCs, one of the items in in one of the two DLCs is uh, a quest to get a Korok mask. And then when you have the Korok mask on, it still doesn't show you the Korok. So what the Korok mask does is it starts, it has a little like pinwheel on it that starts spinning and you start hearing a little like, you know, Korok, like, you know, trilling like, ah, like that whenever you're near one. Yeah, in tears, I wound up wearing that the entire time once I got it because I'm like, yeah. this is so good. <laughs> like, it's it's I wear that all the time in Breath of the Wild. And then and another thing they added in the DLC that I think is free that they added with an update with the DLC, but I think it's in the regular game and it's in I think it's in tears by default is uh, the Hero's Path. Yeah, where you can you can turn on on the map, you press a button and it shows you everywhere you've been. That's and so it cool. even it even like you can pre- you can press play and it will show you time lapse of your character moving around you can see your little dot moving around like a you know indiana jones you know going from morocco to to moscow or whatever every or, little bit you even when you teleport it'll teleport over and yeah and it's it, awesome it's great and so you can see wow i've played this game for 240 hours and i've never been to this like hill in hebra valley i bet there's like five koroks there and probably a shrine I missed also. So then I go there and look around and find and find it. And I, I like that's, that a lot. That's the weird thing, too. When you play a game like this and you finally finish it, you go, I was everywhere. I've got the whole map. And then you put that and watch yourself and go, oh, my God, I missed so much. I never went to in my path. <laughs> and you see yourself go by the same thing like 50 times. Like you keep teleporting into an area and completely missing this like whole cave system directly behind you or something. Blake, yeah. what is your opinion about Koroks? Are you are you like me? Hate the little bastards? No, you know, I so I love the puzzles themselves, honestly. One of my favorite aspects of the game. I thought I felt like the game could maybe be a little bit more explicit about kind of what they do and how to, you know, increase your inventory. 
But that's also part of the beauty of the game. So I wouldn't say I mind it, but the puzzles themselves and how they're just spread out is, is absolutely one of my favorite elements of the whole game. Okay, I don't <laughs> like the fact that puzzles are so hidden. Oh, but again, it. me problem. It's not any, you know, I have I, particular issues with gaming. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I, I, think I would prefer Hestu's pricing to be a little more forgiving late game so that you can get, fill, you know, fill out your inventory a little bit better. They don't need to be. There don't need to be as many Korok seeds as there are. Probably. See, yeah. with that, I don't mind them being so many because you don't need to get all of them. Like, yeah, I think that's, you need that's like five hundred out of nine hundred or something like that. Oh, is that true? Okay. Yeah. yeah you don't. Yeah. Do. No, that's right because I haven't gotten anywhere near all the Koroks and I fully maxed out my inventory. Yeah. So they. Okay. Yeah. You're I right. like Never that mind because me. it gives you options of oh, I missed. Yeah, I missed 300, 400 Koroks. You still can upgrade everything. And if you okay. say, oh, I only need five more Korok seeds to fully upgrade, you have like 400 and something to find that you can only need five of. So that's where the whole poop thing for the final reward is a, is, a, is just like a control almost. It's like, oh, you went above yeah. and beyond. You don't need to, though. Yeah, it's 421 to max out. Out, and of, there's 900. 900, out of 900. Yeah, you're so right. I think, I think my Korok number is like in the 600s. So yeah, no, you're right. That's total. <laughs> I, I rescind my only like half criticism because I just yeah, don't I like it. the idea of them in general. I don't like how little in, I mean, you have enough inventory slots. I shouldn't because like, I upgraded everything a little bit. But I when I, when you start asking for like 20 Korok seeds for a, another weapon, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. We're done with that. Yeah, but uh, I understand because you find like not... a like God tier weapon and then have no space for it. And you have to have this like choice of what do I what do I drop? What do I throw away? Are we gonna say not that? just. 20 Korok seeds for an inventory slot, but you get to see him dance, Mike. Yes. Okay? yes. So, yeah, the more <laughs> dances he, he does, he's going to increase the price. And in Tears of the Kingdom, he has backup dancers. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah, it's so good. I just didn't like it being locked, especially in a game where my inventory breaks. That just bothered me at first. I, I got over it in this playthrough. Like, I had a really hard time going to my first Divine Beast which was for me, I did the what the guide kind of tells you to do, go. I went to Zora first. That was mm-hmm. the hardest part of the game was getting yeah. there and going yeah. through all the stuff leading up to it. After I got farther in the game, then it wasn't such a big deal anymore. Yeah, I think going through that valley while it's raining so you can't climb anything and there's lightning and you're being you're fighting these lightning Lazal everywhere is probably the hardest part of the game. And if you're following the way the game is kind of intending, it's like the first thing you do after getting it's not the first thing, but it's pretty early. Like it's maybe maybe 10 hours into a 50 hour game that you have, I would say, probably the hardest part of the whole game. And it's not it's not that it's harder. It's it's hard if you're doing it early because you don't have very many hearts yet. You probably only have like five or six hearts and you've got to get through. It's a pretty tough gauntlet. And it's funny because then on my second playthrough, I went and did the the Rito first and got the Rivali's Gale. And then with that, you can go behind Zoro's Domain. And there's like a there's like a mountain uh, right behind Zoro's Domain, kind of on the northwest side of it. And if you Rivali's Gale from up there, you can hang glide directly into the, the city and completely skip all that. Oh, it's pretty. Cool. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. You've got to have some stamina by that. But still, you probably would by that point. I mean, I did a bunch of shrines leading up to it because that was my yeah. thing when I played this game as I was traversing across the map. I was trying to do as many shrines as I possibly could as soon as the game let. And were you doing stamina first? I did. St- I got myself a full two rings before I did any hearts, which was also oh, wow. a mistake because I was well, that, my that's ass handed to me. 
That's very good for exploration. And it just, you have to also be good at combat if you do it that way. But that's definitely, that's definitely, I did kind of a mix. I got myself a few hearts and then a stamina ring, then a few more hearts and a stamina ring. I maxed out stamina, but I maxed out stamina rather than max out hearts for sure. Because the guy told me to get two rings of stamina first and you, before you mess with hearts. Oh, wow. I don't that's, agree with that. But yeah, that, no, that I, I wouldn't recommend that for new players at all. I'd recommend that for veteran players who are like badasses at the combat. But I agree. That's crazy. That, that's absolutely crazy, in my opinion, because you'd be running around with three hearts for a long time. Yep. I didn't get my first heart container till after I beat Divine Beast. <laughs> that's so. funny. Wow. Yeah. That's 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 tough. That's like that's kind of a pro pro mode approach. You know, think you're that's you're ready to just think you're ready to go beat Ganon with a wooden pot lid and a stick and three hearts. That's the like pro run is to just go straight to Hyrule Castle as soon as you get off of the Great Plateau. Yeah, no, thank you. I watched. Yeah, I watched no, I'm never going to do I'm never going to do that. That's that is insane to me. But, I mean, it's uh, cool that it's there. Like, I'm happy if the Divine Beasts are in quotations optional. Like, mm-hmm. no one can see my, do my quotes, but I'm I'm happy that it's there for the people that want it because you can just go beat the game. But I think <laughs> like fighting the Divine Beast, going through all that, it's actually a pretty cool experience. Oh, like, yeah. And it's it's how you get most of the story. Like you get yeah. you get background story sort of. from the memories, but you get the story of the game itself from going and doing each of the champion stuff. So, yeah, I think I mean, that's a fun way to I, I would say try to do it without the Divine Beast on your like third playthrough. But I would definitely not do that the first. I would never tell someone to do that the first time. That would be kind of crazy. So before we start talking about the Divine Beast, I want to start with uh, Blake. Do you have a favorite Divine Beast? Which one do you enjoy the most fighting or going through? Ooh, that's a good question. No, you know, honestly, because I think exploring the Divine Beast themselves might have been might have been my least favorite part of the game, which I still it's still uh, still really liked. But that, I don't know. Um, I did like the mechanic of kind of like manually moving them, you know, to kind of solve the puzzles. But I found them to be a bit more tedious than the world design of the rest of the game. Okay. I want to talk about the one that I think was the hardest. Well, no, we'll start with the what's considered the easiest golem first. Because I, I still call them golems. <laughs> the bird one. I don't remember its name, but in the Rito Village. I think that is supposed to be the easiest of the four to fight. Yeah, I think it's one of the harder ones to get to in the first place. That region is pretty... It's it's a, pretty it, you have to get through like some tough stuff so they don't like push you to do that one first. I did a third. Oh, interestingly, Tears of the Kingdom pushes you to go there first. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that one is that that one the, the boss of that one is. I think you're saying the boss is easy because none I of think the, he's, the, he's supposed to be the easiest of the four. He was not for me. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. No. Never mind. Never mind. That wasn't. Yeah. He was wrong. Boss. Yeah. I think yeah. he's. Pro- I can't really remember if he's that hard or not. That. I agree with Blake. I don't really like the Divine Beast. I like them as a concept, and I like the story stuff around them and all that, but actually going through them was the most tedious part of the game. I didn't really, I didn't dislike it, but it, I don't have a favorite Divine Beast because I don't really care for any of them. I, yeah. Other, well, actually, the one in the DLC, but we'll get there. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> yeah, that's different. I didn't mind, like, when it came to the bird guy, I thought that, I thought that was a fun puzzle. Like, yeah. It, I mean, I also watched a video guide did exactly what they did, so... I didn't play it correctly to some people, probably. <laughs> I, I do kind of like the how you have in the Divine Beast, you have like the controls to rotate the different parts or move the different parts. And that opens up different things in it and different like chests and stuff. I think that's a neat idea. I think the elephant one has the, the most dynamic because you're actually rotating the middle part or not the elephant, the, the camel has like you're rotating the center and that so that completely flips around the level. 
you know, I did not realize that was a camel, by the way. So. I guess that's what it is. Yeah. It's, I yeah, think you're right. I didn't realize it. <laughs> it's a cam. It's a camel. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. It was just, I can't, I can't remember the names. It's like Von Ruta, Von <laughs> Naboris, Von something. Yeah, even the people uh, don't even, they're like, yeah, it's, it's our, it was our protector. Now it's trying to kill us. And I'm like, Think myself, this thing's been possessed a hundred years ago. How long has it been trying to kill you? Like, yeah, that's a good question, right? Is it been because it's been a hundred years since the calamity came? Has the has the thing have these have these divine beasts been stomping around for a hundred years, like yeah, causing chaos? Yeah, they have. They've just been going in their pattern, but like the it's been keeping people from going through the desert, and you know the bird has been flying around. It's crazy that yeah. nobody decided to do anything about it for a hundred years. What could you? <laughs> I don't know. Like Sidon is like ready to go. Like he's like, yeah, let's go take down this thing. He he just was waiting for someone willing to ride on his back and. Uh, I mean, think shoot about things. it. If there was a giant camel walking around the perimeter of your town with lightning bolts going all over the place, <laughs> would you be like, yeah, hold on, let me grab this axe and I'm gonna charge that thing? Are you gonna be like, no, I'm staying inside with my family? Guess you. I guess it's right. It's just it's kind of crazy to think they spent a hundred years of those things doing this. It's been raining in the Zora domain. <laughs> I guess the Zora one is just raining heavily, and they, they don't mind are, the rain. They're they're fish people, so what do they care? It's just been keeping outsiders out of their area. Just big. That's not my job. Energy. Just like <laughs> yeah. And the same thing with the, the Goron one. They're all fireproof. So what do they care if this thing's spitting lava and stuff around? I mean, they seem a little upset by it, though. Yeah, they're upset by it. But I mean, it's, I can see where it wouldn't be enough to make them go try to try to like die fighting it. The the camel one is like straight up making the desert unlivable outside of their one little city. But. And there is an elephant one, too. The elephant one is the water one, though. Yeah, the water one, yeah. And the bird one, I guess, is the what is the bird one even doing? Is it making it cold? Yeah, winds. It's just causing heavy winds. Yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I guess. So I guess, yeah, only the one in the desert is causing, like, real chaos that is a problem. The others are just inconvenient. Yeah, so I guess if something's just inconvenient but also deadly, you would just... Yeah, well, you would leave it alone. You're right. I mean, as a guy who lives in the north, I'm like, it's cold. OK, that's how I live every day of my damn life. It's yeah, <laughs> well, not really, because I only live in Minnesota, but that's how it feels right now. Exactly. That, and that, so many people are like, why? you know, you watch a movie and go, why wouldn't why aren't people doing something about it? And then something similar happens in your life and you're sitting there on the couch going like, yeah, I'm not doing anything about it. Oh, now it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. You're right. <laughs> like i mean i will always make the joke like you know people say oh avoid it like the plague i'm like can't use that phrase anymore because <laughs> yeah. we won't we'll yeah. go on with our life like nothing happened <laughs> so yeah <sighs> i hate how true that is but yeah i i didn't have i enjoyed the divine beast with a guide i enjoyed watching the video and going through each of them as the video told me what to do that was a fun experience for me i mean i know that's not the way that your average person will do it. That's probably not the way that the you know game does make you do that. But for me, it did not do the podcast. This is just a me thing where I'm like, I don't want to do puzzles. I just did an escape room a couple of days ago, and I realized I don't like puzzles. I did do good. I forgot some puzzles, but I I, I was like, man, I rather just cheat. Damn it. <laughs> so I didn't dare. That's a different for But like, it's how I play video game. But I, I enjoyed watching the videos of the Divine Beast. I enjoyed going through it. The fights. I mean, they're very. Each one's a little bit different for the boss fight, even though it's all Calamity Ganon essentially, just different versions of him i guess yeah but and also carrie was super right because as i once you beat more divine <laughs> beasts you get abilities that really do make the game way easier mm-hmm. and i die oh, a lot less well, i saw game over a lot less still died shout a lot out yeah. shout out to mifa's grace yeah mifa's oh, grace yeah. Is awesome. 
Aoife's yeah. face is, is a literal lightsaber. It's <laughs> not as good when you only have three hearts, by the way, if you can believe that. But it gets a lot better when you have more hearts. Oh, yes. I still can't believe I played it like that now listening to you guys. I'm like, I don't know why I didn't just get more hearts. I just was like, this is what the guide said. So that was stupid. I did get the Master Sword after three Divine Beasts, though. I beat three Divine Beasts, and my, my original way of playing this game was, as I played the game, I would unlock a new area as I went towards the Divine Beast. so on my way to the Rudal place, I unlocked, like, four different regions or so, and I did all the I did all the shrines I could do, except for, like, the challenge one, they want you to fight a Guardian. If I, then those got skipped, except for the minor ones. I could do minor tests of strength, I could not do major or whatever the next one up is. Yeah, I'll give a tip on that that a lot of people don't understand. People get in their brains because the Master Sword works so well on the Guardians out in the world. They think they're going. the Master Sword is going to be good against the ones in the Shrines. But the Master nope. Sword doesn't do anything to them because the Master Sword is specifically to fight the darkness. And the ones in the Shrines are not corrupted. So they don't take special damage from the Master Sword at all. And so people will get go will try to they will get overly reliant on the master sword when fighting guardians or guardian tech. It still works though. It's just only a thirty base power. Yeah, it just works. I mean, it works. So it's not as good as like yeah, a lot it of doesn't other swords, and it breaks. The, and it breaks. It breaks really. It the, it breaks. I feel like the master sword breaks really fast when you're using against non blight stuff. But well, might everything just be my breaks. And hitting goal and hitting the guardians that are, well, they just a, break. It's just a, fucked a big thing to keep in mind is is. Which, you know, it's not easy, but the game has combat mechanics that give you a big advantage if you learn how to use them. Specifically, the parry and the flurry rush. And, for instance, if you if you parry something, it does zero damage to your shield. Yep. And the flurry rush does reduce damage to your weapon. It doesn't do zero, but it does reduce. And so, if you get good at parrying and flurry rushing, you can melt basically almost anything. The only thing I never got good at fighting very good at fighting fairly were Lynels. And with Lynels, the big trick uh, for me is using your powers on them. But See, for me, Flurry Rush is what you do for Lynels because when they're oh, yeah, definitely. You, you left or right. But I, I with Breath of the Wild, I, I used to take down Lynels like nothing after a while because you would farm them. And then, yeah. you know, Tears of the Kingdom was like getting back into that six years later. And I was like, oh God, they're kicking my ass. <laughs> I'll say <laughs> blue, and, blue and red Lynels are fine. Black ones are hard. The silver and gold ones are like the gold ones. I'm just like, no, fuck this. I'm not even going to try it. Which that's the gold ones are in the deals, the master I mode. I, I have never, I, I have never beaten a Lionel in either Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I'm too bad at it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, I don't wow. ever need to do this. So it's so fun mounting a Lionel, stunning a Lionel, Wait. and then jumping up on its back. And it's like bucking, you're like in a rodeo, you're holding on and just, but you're in a rodeo. If in the rodeo, the, the rodeo rider was like slapping someone in the, the, the cow on the back of the head or the horse in the back of the head of a sword the whole time. It's a very brutal rodeo. It's, it's really neat that you can mount them and then they'll try to buck you off while you're like stabbing them in the back of the head. Yeah, no, thank you. And then I... you can, you can leap off of them and you do a backflip in midair, pull out your bow and bullet time, just start shooting them while you're, while you're in midair. Oh. I love that's one of my favorite mechanics. That's another one is the being able to the bullet time with the uh, bow and arrow. That is one of my favorite mechanics in this game. And there's the, the you know, there's the hack of like you're fighting something you're and then you Rivali's Gale and then from Rivali's Gale bow and arrow from the sky just rain down death from above. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I it's didn't do this a lot. 
Yeah, and there is a speed running a trick that's using speed runs that you can also use with this that I've never gotten good with, but I've pulled off a couple of times where you like bounce on your shield into the air. And then so you can use that to get like an instant bullet time from bouncing off of your shield into the air, but it's hard to do for, for me. But you watch I other people it, do it. You watch other people do it, and it's pretty impressive. Like another thing about this game that it did, like when it comes to the different, like I was talking more earlier about the elements, like as you're leading to each area, like as you go to the Goron place, again, if I didn't have a guide, I wouldn't have figured this out. Somebody will sell you fire potions pretty quickly because I don't talk to everybody. Uh, there's right. an NPC that gives you a side quest. Go get me 10 lizards. And then he gives you the armor that you need to survive in the heat place without having to buy it. Like the game always right. does little things to help you. But for me, if I if I would have played this back in the day, I would have been just I mean, I might have figured out because I would have had to talk to people. But the fact that I didn't have to, that I could just use a guide is what made this game so much more playable for me in that aspect. I mean, it's you know, I just again, yeah. there's the little things I don't like in games. I, I love I love that as well. And I like the um, again, playing without the HUD. How do you know that Link is hot? He's sweating and panting from the heat. Oh, is he cold? He's shivering. He's holding his arm. He's holding his arms and shivering. Going, oh, and his teeth are chattering. I love that. I love it so much. Like and it, it does do a good job of that. Each divine beast you go to has some issue. The water you have can't climb. You have the desert. You have to have heat stuff. But different than the heat when you're in the Goron place, which is just so hot. That if, is like one that. of my few complaints about the game, oh. which I, I understand. I mean, not that, not exactly what you're saying, but that the desert heat and the volcano heat are completely separate mechanics. And the stuff that works with the desert heat doesn't work with the the volcano heat and vice versa. Man, and I get it. They needed another gimmick. I, I get it. And, it, and I guess it does kind of make sense, like, it, the the like mylar flame suits that people wear when they study volcanoes, you know, and they have to get near lava. You would like die of heat exhaustion running around in the desert with one of those. I guess probably, you know, you get overheated inside it. I don't know, but maybe not because how they no. So I don't know if it is realistic. Either way, I'm video not. Game. I get it. It's just that is a little <laughs> video gamey to me. The volcano and desert are two different kinds of heat. But then speaking of the desert, I love that the desert also is definitely cold at night or even in the shade if you like stand in the shade too long you get cold i like that also yeah i thought that was good too yeah and just all the like we talked about mythos grape you get from the zora zoras the one from the goron that lets you block so many it lets you block attacks or deflect them to yes. from a guardian that's like a shield yeah that is so fucking so you get too. if you mess up your so if you miss your parry you get like a you get a free you know a free block and don't like lose your shield and die I never even um, And then, do it. so you fought guardians without parrying. Who said I fought guardians? Or, or well, you fought. <laughs> you, you beat. You beat the game. You you fought. You beat. I fought uh, some, Ganon. but uh, there was no parrying involved. It was just a lot of I'm gonna beat you with my weapon until you die. Oh yeah. It wasn't. Well, the you right can also way to sta- stasis. Stasis is really useful for guardians. You stasis a guardian, then run up and chop off its legs with the master sword before it unfreezes. That's you know. That's, this would have been useful information before I beat the game. Or and there is there the ones that are in front of Hyrule Castle and the ruins of Hyrule City. There's one or two of those that when you stasis them, they just fall through the map. Oh, I, um, I use they the never they never they never fixed it. You just like there's one or two of them that you stasis them and it just causes them to fall through the map and disappear. My favorite dumb moment for me is when I was going up the Goron Mountain with the with with the, with Metal Gear Goron. And there was a part where there's a freaking there's a couple of those stupid helicopter golems or guardians that you have to yeah. get rid of to get by. And I was like, I'm hitting it. I'm using all my arrows. I'm like, this makes no sense. And 
then I realized, oh, I'm supposed to pick up these blocks and just drop it on him. And I'm like, <laughs> they, but you can kill them with arrows and stuff. It's just they, they are they are I think one of the the hardest enemies to fight. Not it not you know like not that they kill you a lot or anything. They're not as hard as Lionels, but yeah, they are frustrating. They're the most kind of frustrating to fight because they're kind of they're kind of hard to hit and they're shooting lasers at you from the sky. They can definitely be difficult. And, and with Lionels, go back to what you're saying. I only saw the one that you kind of have to see through the Zoran quest. Yeah. But I didn't mess with him. I, I went, I died to him like 10 times just trying to get lightning arrows. Because he leaves all the, he shoots. I love that, that he's been shooting lightning arrows. And, and so there's lightning arrows just stuck in the trees all around him. And you can run up there and get lightning arrows really easily. But where are all the dead bodies of Zoros that he probably killed that went up? <laughs> I, I assume that they, they get their, they get their dead. <laughs> or yeah, he ate them. He is like a, a he is like a lion horse. I guess he would eat. He, he probably would eat fish people. I mean, to be fair, if is fish it, he's people a cat, real, we would like probably fish. eat fish people. So yeah, that's probably true. We probably do. <laughs> so maybe not. Like I'm not. You wouldn't be able to buy them at the Walmart, but I'm. I, I assume there would be a black market for it. You can buy fish people. Uh, but you were talking about the powers. Yeah, Rivali's Gale is so freaking useful. Yes. for traversal. It's, it's really useful for like farming the dragon parts, you know, for getting yourself high enough to get up and, and get a good hit off of the to get a good aim at like a tooth or whatever. And then the last one, the, the desert one, I can't remember what it's called. Fury or Bosa's Fury. It's really that fun. that one is a lot of fun to mess around with. And I like they they played with those powers in Tears of the Kingdom and the the, the Arbosa version The they're not it's not Arbosa, but the, the version in the desert one for tears of the kingdom is you like fire an arrow and wherever it lands, it does like a, like a ball of lightning strike, like a lightning filled strike. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I I enjoyed that stuff a lot. Yeah. They were just just really good use. They were really useful when you get them and they have a cool down. It was made, made the game much easier for me when I got there. Yeah. And whenever you want me to talk about the DLC, um, they play into the DLC as well. So, okay. I'll be close to the end. Okay. But I want to, cause this is probably different for all of us. Like, so I, I didn't really explore much because I was using a guide. I did run across one thing completely by accident when trying to find a shrine is I found a dragon. And I remember just <laughs> my jaw dropped when I found the ice dragon. And I'm just like, I understand now why people are like, this is amazing because it was completely unexpected. I was just climbing a mountain looking for this damn shrine. And I just happened across a dragon and I'm just like, this is cool. Did, did you, you found all three of them eventually, right? I saw them. Okay. I only did the Shrine of Wisdom where I actually, like, had to interact with the dragon. I saw two others, I think two others flying around. I didn't deal with them or touch. I had nothing to do with them. See, I spent a lot of time with the dragons because, you know, I wanted to fully upgrade all my armors. And you have to have dragon parts to upgrade your armors. Mm. Some of the some of the armors. So I spent a lot of time. That's where I actually did eventually start to, like, look, look stuff up. Was find out, all right, where do I need, where is the best place for me to farm, you know, this dragon? And it's like... You know, there's this, you know, go to this cliff, make a campfire, wait till 2 a.m. He'll fly right by you at like eye level. It's a uh, Din Ra goes through this like canyon kind of in the north that you can like kind of in the northwest of the map. He flies through this like canyon and you can stand up on the t- side of the canyon and he's like at eye level with you. So you can really easily because, you know, each dragon drops can drop a claw, a scale, a horn or a tooth piece. Depending on what and you do, so right? depending on where you hit him. And, you know, hitting a hitting a claw fairly hard, but not that hard, but right, because they're on the bottom, but you've got to get pretty good aim 
because, you know, they're moving, but there's eight of them. There's four of them, right? So, or there's four feet, right? Getting a scale, super easy. Just got to hit the thing. <laughs> Getting a horn, you know, you got to hit them in the head. Kind of hard, but not that bad. Getting a tooth, you got to <laughs> shoot it in its open mouth. That can be pretty tough. Yeah, I and, wasn't going near any of that. I sold the one I got. <laughs> yeah, but what I really love, that's one of the things, up, you know, Tears of the Kingdom upgrades is in Tears of the Kingdom, you can ride them. That's cool. That's fun. You land on them and you can ride them. You can just ride them forever, pretty much, if you can hang on because they will dive. But then in this one, they dive like into something and disappear for like 12 hours of in-game of okay. in-game time. I, didn't, okay, I, did, I mean, I just I saw the electric one for yeah, sure. Fey Rush. Yeah, Fey Rush will he'll appear out of a spring at the top of a mountain in the jungle and then he'll dive into Lake Hylia. And that's okay. his, and he, so he appears in one and dives into the other. That's a long area too. Yeah. And, and so with the tears of the kingdom, they've got that like under dark area and they'll dive into the under dark and fly around the under dark and then emerge back up. And so they never stop flying. They just have a, a perfect, a per, a, not a perfect, but they have a, a, a securitous route. They each take that, that they never stop. And there's also a fourth dragon in that one, but, <laughs> but anyway, you can ride them and it's really cool. Right. Riding on the dragons. Nate, did you have any like random thing happen to you that just like when you were playing this, it just surprised you and made great memory? Oh, not off the top of my head okay. that I can think of. But I mean, there was there were plenty of moments where like I just saw something and I was like, man, that's really cool. Like just <laughs> whether it be it was a vista or seeing a dragon for the first time, I think I was like, are you serious? You know, oh, I like, was. Yeah. OK, Blake, anything for you? Oh, gosh. Yeah, there are so many just in the sense of like. The game is so, so good about your, you can be walking through the world and see something. And if you question yourself, I wonder if, you know, the answer is almost always going to be yes. I wonder if this is a puzzle I can solve. Yes, it is. I wonder if that's somewhere I can go. Yeah, it probably is. But I think the first time that I pulled out and I, I realized how kind of interconnected the world is when I pulled out an ice sword in the desert and saw my temperature go down. And then you just you find those those little interactions just constantly constantly throughout it just really it just really gives the impression that the whole world is is connected and alive and in a way that i just can't really think of many games that have pulled that off as well as breath of the wild did okay i'm sorry i i I just thought of one and it's an area it's it the there's like an area with a uh a cherry blossom tree and just seeing that for the first time like i was really taken aback that something a scene that beautiful could exist in a video game. I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, you're just talking about the tree itself, or are you talking about what happens there? I'm just talking about the, the tree in the area oh. there. Like, it's, it's you know, it's such a serene place that, like, just happenstance finding it and going, like, wow. And then, you know, kind of, like, looking it up afterwards and seeing the significance in it. What's yeah, the significance my, my, of it? My son and I actually built a diorama. Well, my, mostly my son built a diorama with a little help for me. Built a diorama of that exact place. Oh, really? And like he, we took screen, like I took screenshots from different angles for him, and we built this like big diorama. It's like about sixteen by sixteen inches, using like plaster and landscaping stuff, uh, like the fake landscaping stuff from the hobby store. And like we built, we we like built a tree, and then like hand painted the leaves, the pink and everything. And then they he took it to school and his art teacher had it put in the library at their school for a long time. That's really cool. So yeah, that is like we did we did like resin for the little pond and and yeah, it's it is it is absolutely beautiful. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were gonna say the (laughs) Mike asked the significance of it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I didn't run into this. 
it's it's just like a tribute to Iwata. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just like you know, first of all, it's like probably one of the coolest environments in the game. And then you know, like I just googled like Cherry Tree and Breath of the Wild because like I didn't really find anything there, you know. And I was like, maybe I'm missing something. And then I was like, oh, it's it's a tribute to. Oh, so, so did you not? It happens at night too. Yeah, something very big happens at night. That's a homage to um, Princess Mononoke. Oh no! Oh, so no, I found it like in I found it in during the daytime. You didn't yeah, go there at night. Like, oh wow! No, because like so you know, I, I don't know if we should. I don't know just, if we should spoil it. No, I mean, this it, game came out in 2017. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get my right. cart. Barry, do you, <laughs> like, Barry, Barry, do you want to spoil it then? Or no, no, let's not spoil it. Let's not spoil it. Go there at night. Everybody go there at night, especially if you are a like Princess Mononoke is my favorite animated movie, not just my favorite anime, my favorite animated movie. And it's a tribute to Princess Mononoke. It's breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. So, yeah, go go there at night. It might it might be specific nights, but you go there at night. Yeah. So Mike, you talk about game came out in 2017 and there's still things that, you know, playing it today, you'll miss. Like there's so much to this game. I'm trying to Google. Oh, I'm trying design. to YouTube it because I'm not going to go there. So, <laughs> yeah, but the, let's not let's not spoil it for Nathan okay, or the or the. Uh, Is that the, the Lord of the Lord of the Mountain stuff yes, that I'm seeing? Yes. Okay. yes. Yeah. That's all I'll ask. All right. Uh, and Barry, did you have a moment? There's something you want to bring up that was like a special memory for you in this game. I mean, the whole thing really was. I mean, I I think just seeing the world, you know, and and knowing when, when you know Nintendo marketing was like, oh, if you see a mountain, you can climb it. You can go on the other side of it and. And, you know, obviously that that first shot when Link gets out of the, you know, the, the chamber and, and has that pan over and it's like, oh, the you know Death Mountain over there. Oh, I, I can go up it. I can go over it. I can go behind it. Well, holy crap. And to me, it was just seeing the world in this new light, you know, playing all the games. There's a lot of repeat because it's all Hyrule. You know, there's a lot of repeat things. There's a lot of Death Mountains, a lot of Lake Hylias just to see where they all are and of course having fun with the names all the different throwbacks and all the names of the bridges and the mountains and the hills and, and there's the throwbacks to all the previous zelda games but i think after all of that what really got me was going down to the island in the southeast and link's awakening is my favorite zelda game so suddenly it was like huge tribute that's completely optional what to link's awakening where you lose all your inventory oh Eventide Island. Eventide yeah. I didn't Island. do that. Yeah, yeah you, it's like a game within a game. You lose all your inventory, really you gotta fun. survive. Like To me, that was like, this is so cool. Like, mm-hmm. they put this here as a little bonus, as, you know, obviously there's stuff to collect there, but it's not needed. You don't need to go there. It's completely optional, but it's a huge tribute to Link's Awakening. And, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, they, they just, every turn, they just threw something new at me that I wasn't They're- expecting. There's so many references to the previous games throughout this with like oh, yeah. random like ponds and hills yeah. being named after characters from like, you know, Link's, Link's Awakening and Adventure of Link and A Link to the Past and stuff. And there's like recreations like you can find like a lot of screenshots online of people where they find locations in Breath of the Wild and then show you that it's like an exact recreation of a location from Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask or something like that. So is um, there a reference to Wand of Gamelin? No, because I, no. Nintendo doesn't acknowledge the CDI game. <laughs> yes, not I want to play those. There's, there's also like the whole confusion about where does it fit in the timeline because they mentioned Twilight and they mentioned mm-hmm. Tyro Time. Well, they, like, they have officially said where it goes, but... Oh, they well, did? 
the yeah, top. it's the let, uh, it it so it goes Skyward Sword, Minish Cap, Four Swords, Ocarina of Time. Then it splits into three divergent timelines, yeah. and then after all three of those timelines, all three of the divergent timelines yeah. reconvene to Breath of the Wild, and then Tears of the Kingdom is the latest game in the in the chronology. Yeah, they all come back, and that's that's the official chronology according to the Hyrule Historia. That's cool. Well, no, not the Hyrule. Hyrule Historia yeah, only sets up the first. It doesn't have. It's updated. It's the updated. Okay. That's but cool. don't don't forget there's still the branch from Breath of the Wild with uh Hyrule Warriors because that's a branch timeline as well. Oh right. or, uh, Age of Calamity, I mean. That's why we're Age, playing that yeah. later this year. Yeah, Age of Calamity. Age of Calamity is a prequel to Breath of the Wild. Oh no, it's a prequel. It? It, it's a it's a branch timeline prequel. It's a branch timeline prequel, right. And it's is it lead to Tears of the Kingdom? No, or is it, it, it it's its own branch timeline. Yeah. People, See, I, I hate I hate Muso games. <laughs> I hate Muso games, so, so I've just good. watched. I've watched my son play it. See, a lot of people went to Age of Calamity thinking it was going to be a prequel, but then found out that it does take place in the years before Breath of the Wild, just in an alternate timeline. Okay, it was actually uh, going to be on this show in 2023, the Calamity one, but you, you guys, or many people, have told me don't play that without playing this first. So I, perp- that's why it's on the show this yeah, year. Yeah, it's it's good. I I really enjoyed it. Because I, I needed to finish this before I could. Oh, yeah, that. absolutely. This first. And I did not want to play this, by the way, for the show. I was pure pressured. In. <laughs> but I'm glad I was. <laughs> I came into this thinking I might not beat this game, but oh, well, like I'll beat it later if I don't finish it in time. And then I beat it. it in a fucking week. <laughs> Best week of your life. It was up there. <laughs> we went to a bar. We were bar hopping. I was bar hopping with my wife. I don't drink when we're bar hopping because I'm driving. So. I was just sitting there playing Breath of the Wild for three hours at a bar, and she's like, aren't you going to do anything? I'm like, I am. I'm playing Zelda. <laughs> Didn't appreciate that, but I'm like, I ain't drinking, because we're driving, so there's no drinking going on other than this Pepsi they keep giving me, but so we're just going to do this. You got a lot of, it was nice. The only problem is I ran out of battery, and I'm like, okay, we can go home now. <laughs> My Switch is dead. We can go home now. <laughs> she's like, oh, you can talk, and I'm like, uh, we can go home now. <laughs> We went home shortly after that, but I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. My switch is gone. I, I can't do this. Did anyone at any of the bars where they just like, oh, nice, Breath of the Wild? No, we went to I went to one bar where I felt like I was 20 again, even though I didn't go to bars at 20. But like, it was like a, it was like a, for some reason, it was a small bar. It was like an old trailer. It looked like they converted into a bar and everybody was singing as loud as they possibly could. And I wanted to just plug my ears with something because it was terrible i was it was just because the sound echoed i'm like i hate this i hate this get me out of here and my and zelda was dead so i was like i couldn't play zelda and i couldn't terrible no nobody said anything to me <laughs> they were singing they were singing that song that the eagle sings to give you hints God, they were singing 90 songs i knew the song but i'm like it's echoing in this building and i am not drunk so i am not enjoying any of this experience so it was very like but but no, I didn't always say anything to me. I would have laughed somebody would have said something. I actually ran into somebody I knew from a job eight years ago, so that was funny. So, but yeah, as I was playing Zelda. But oh, another thing I, I want to mention the story. We haven't talked about the story yet. I have a complaint that the story isn't given to you. I don't like the way it's given to you because it's completely optional too. And I'm sure some people like that. I didn't personally. I could see that. I mean, the story is great and it definitely left a lot of questions unanswered because we wanted more, which is why Age of Calamity yeah. was a thing. But I I kind of get what they were going for because I, I think, Carrie, you're the one that alluded to this, that, that this was the closest game to Zelda 1 in, in all the years. And that's how Zelda 1 was. <laughs> the story was told in the manual and at the very end of the game and the, that was it. It's dangerous to yeah. go alone. Take this and, and have fun. And I think that was the mentality they were doing. Like, here's this big playground. Go have fun. 
there's a reason to do this and you're going to get the snippets of story, but they didn't want the story to be the deciding factor. They wanted your fun and adventure to be the deciding factor. But like you, I do wish the story was a little more center focused and I wish it, it gave you more without you having to go out of your way to find it. And see, I, I love it the way it is. And I also, I think it by far has the best story of any Zelda game by 10 miles. The story's good. It's just, the story's excellent. It's just, it's hidden. Yeah, and, and that's my complaint, is that... I wish it was a little less hidden, maybe, but... The memories shouldn't be so hidden. They should be things that you come across as you play the game. Exactly, and and that's an improvement with Tears of the Kingdom. Tears okay. of the Kingdom does the same thing with the memories, but they're very clear, easy to find. They're, all, I, like, they're all super easy to find. I only came across one memory in the natural way of me playing the game. Yeah, um, there's people at each um, each a uh, stable, or there's guys at some stables that can kind of point you towards the memories, which yeah. is another good way the game kind of signposts. There's a guy from there's a guy from Kakariko Village who, when you go to Kakariko Village, he's always there and he's painting. But then at various stables, I think at every stable, he's outside painting a landscape. And when you look at that landscape, it's the picture. It's it's showing you where the memories are at. Yeah, oh, you know, I never things. noticed that. That's yeah. too much yeah. though for me. So he shows you where each memory is at, but it, but I, I do, I, I, I see, I definitely see the complaint. I don't, I don't discount the complaint. I just personally, it didn't bother me at all. Them being, it being hidden and being yeah, optional. Cause that's the thing. It's like, as like Barry was saying with Zelda one, you can play through Zelda one and absolutely enjoy it and never have any idea what the story is, or you can read the manual and you get the story. And this is like, it's like, instead of the manual, they hid the manual in the game a page at a time, basically. And those cutscenes, every one of those memories is worth worth it. And like, legit, one of them like made me like tear up. Like it's, they're really, they're really good. And it's really satisfying getting the 12 and then it gives you that 13th memory. And then of course it also gives you a different ending. I mean, I like the memories. It was just, my complaint was that like, I wouldn't have found them had I not been cheating. Or, I mean, I don't consider it cheating, but people do. Using a guide. Had I not looked up what to do, especially the one in Hyrule Castle where you have to go to her old room, ooh, that was not fun. Like, you know, it's just, I would have much rather had it been, like, stuff that was fed to you. I mean, you do get some as you do the Divine Beast where you get to, you know, you get to talk to the Guardians. But it without the Zelda's memories that you find, it doesn't, the stuff they say doesn't have nearly as much meaning as it does when you put everything together. So that was one of my just... Again, it depends on the person you are. And I get yeah. it. Like, I understand the reference to original yeah. Zelda. And, but original Zelda is an NES game versus this being a, you know, a Wii U Switch game. Like, I expect something different in 2017 than I expect in 87. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, but you do get a lot of dialogue from people that alludes to what's going on. Um, what I would hate yeah, would it to people. be for it to be, I would hate for it to be like, again, a, an Ubisoft game where you keep getting pulled into like unskippable cutscenes and unskippable dialogue where you have to just sit there and listen to a, you know, a 3d model, like, you know, blather on at you for a long time. I, I prefer like being able to have the choice of whether I get it or not, but it's not quite as like, it's not quite as like, it's, it's way better than like a game. Well, like mass effect or something where you find like, you know, audio logs you have to listen to. Or is Mass Effect one thing where you find, like, audio logs? Dead Space I think, also. Yeah, Dead Space and stuff like that. The, I like this better than that. But Or I'm thinking, you know what? It's, um, I know what I'm thinking, is uh, the the Rapture game. What What is that called? Bioshock. Bioshock. Bioshock was the one where you're just always finding these audio logs everywhere. Yeah. I like this better. 
But and I also like that you can go back and watch them over again. And, and so once you found all of them, then you can just go back and watch all all of them in order, so you get a better idea of what's going on. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, they did a good job with it. It just bugged me that it was so optional and and so hidden. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's. I think that's a legitimate complaint for sure. It's just again, it was just something that bothered me because, like, had I experienced more of the story when I first played this game, I would have been more into it back then, and maybe been, you know, it was just there's a lot of things that just pushed me away, and plus, yeah. you should not play this as your next game after you beat Dark Souls. You should not do that. You need to have a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah, I have a question for everyone. What do you think? Did Link fuck Fish Girl? Hundred percent, yes. Hundred percent, right? I think, I think, I think, I think a, yeah, I think officially Blake's right, but in my head canon, yeah, she. Wait, no question. I there's don't care some like what's canon. I've seen the way she's looking at him. He's looking at her. I know those eyes. <laughs> there's some. There's it was some, definitely going to happen. There's some half Hylian, half half uh, half Zora baby out there. That's what the the, the DLC we really need. Some monstrosity. Monstrosity. <laughs> who was my father? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what about what about favorite character? Anybody have a favorite character? Sidon. I know it's the basic answer, but his wink. Oh, yeah. And his little, his how he flexes his bicep at you when he gives you the wink. I was like Rivali. He was a jackass. Yeah. I, liked him. I, I really, so I like Rivali too. Like, really fond of Rivali. He really grew on me. Especially after um, Age of Calamity. I really liked him even more. Like, they, because that gives a little more time to develop the characters, which is. What I wanted from the DLC, which I know we'll talk about here in a little bit, but but I wanted more mm. backstory on the champions in the DLC, and I, I feel I didn't get that because they're really interesting, varied characters, and we see them for so little of the game. Yeah, he's definitely the most interesting of the champions. My favorite is Cass. Cass is fun. Cass, Cass for people that know, he is the the Rito bard who is playing the playing the accordion around. I love. That song that he plays, the song he plays in the accordion is so good. And of course, like I was saying, one of the, 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 I say that the main DLC, the story DLC is centers around him to some extent. He's a major character in this story yep. DLC. And yeah, I, yeah, I love Cass. I was really disappointed that he is not in Tears of the Kingdom. I hope that we eventually get a Tears of the Kingdom DLC with Cass in it. There's you no do, DLC for the Tears of the Kingdom. They, they said, the they said that. Ah. I want Cass. I want. I wanted to know what's up with Cass and Tears of the Kingdom. Cass is the. He is a Rito bard with the accordion. Oh, that guy. Okay, I, I, I did. I saw him a bunch because he gives you a bunch of shrine quests. He does. He gives you a shrine quest for every inn. Or I think every inn in Tears of the Kingdom. Instead of Cass, there's a different Rito guy that's a pelican uh, Rito, I guess, and he's a newspaper guy. Pin was it? Pin was that his name? I can't. I don't know. I can't remember, but he's he's uh, fun too. But he's a newspaper. But I love I love Cass a lot. He's a if you want us to talk about the DLC, he's a good segue into the DLC. Sure, yeah, we can talk about the DLC. I know you yeah, want to. So fun. so there's two main DLC. There's uh, other than like uh, pre-order bonuses and stuff. There's two DLC. There's a story one called The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild: The Champions Ballad, and and that one is on how long to beat. It's ten hours just to rush through it. Thirteen hours completionist. So it's it's a good little you know chunk of of extended content but the the idea behind that one is there is a song called the champions ballad about the champions and Cass is trying to find he's trying to find like his master wrote the song and he's trying to find the different he's trying to find the song so he's going to different areas and trying to 
find the words to the song and you help him do that. And so in each area, you have like three little challenges to do that open up three shrines and you have like a, it's, it's, if you don't use a guide, it's like, it's a really good hard puzzle where you have these, they're like pictures that you can't open up yourself, right? They're, they're like inscribed on rocks on these like stones and you, and they're an overhead view of where you need to go to find the, the shrine, but they're not oriented north, south or whatever either necessarily. And so what I found to do it is, you know, take a, is uh, take a picture with my camera or take a picture like with my actual like real world camera of it and then open my map and, and try to figure out what it matches on the terrain on the map. And it's yeah. Or you could use a guide and it's, you know, do it that way. <laughs> but it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's difficult. Uh, the, the, the shrines are difficult. The, the challenges to get the shrines open are fun. The challenge the shrines themselves are are like kind of the best of the best of shrine design. And then once you do all of them and Cass completes a song, it opens up a new divine beast and you go through that divine beast. And at the end of that divine beast, you fight one of the, the monks, the mummified monks that give you the, the spirit orbs at the end of every shrine. There's a living one or like a resurrected one and you fight him and he like grows to be like 20 feet tall and you have this battle with him. And when you finish it, your reward is you get the fifth divine beast which is a motorcycle that you can ride around. You can summon at any time you, the fuel tank, you have to fill it with just junk from your inventory. You just feed it items from your inventory, like consumable stuff, but you know, like, you know, bokoblin horns and teeth and things like that will fill it up. And then you can just ride this motorcycle around. It's faster than any horse. And you can like, it's so fun to just like go max speed and go flying off of a cliff with it you know, and then just jump off and you're just going so fast and you jump off and hang glide or my, my favorite, you were talking about favorite moment in the game. Yeah. My favorite moment in this game was first getting the motorcycle and going to where Din Ra comes out and Din Ra, the, the fire dragon, he comes out of the volcano and then he flies about a hundred feet in the air. So pretty low along the, along the Northern coast. And I just had this great moment of me riding this motorcycle directly under him and then a blood moon happened. And so there's a blood moon rising and I'm riding, I'm wearing Majora's mask riding underneath the, <laughs> and it just was the most beautiful. Like I took the screenshot of, it was just like, it was so epic riding this motorcycle and riding about as fast as he's flying. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So I, I love that DLC. Okay. I, Did, we might else? do a mini on it some point. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess year. I talked too much about it. Oh, you're fine. You know, I mean, by the time I get to it, if people want more Zelda, they have more Zelda content. It's not going to be any time too soon because I'm not getting did it. Fun. Did any of the other guys play that DLC? Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I used I a guide it. to find all this, the pictures because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> just, yeah. Don't blame you. Let me, just, let me just find where they are because they were pretty cryptic. But but it was fun. I, got, I enjoyed that Divine Beast and I got the motorcycle. But the problem with the motorcycle for me is I got the motorcycle and I was like, all right, well, now I'm done with the game. So Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I wish <laughs> I wish they had a, like a new game plus with this so I could bring the motorcycle and play like through master mode with it or something. That would be yeah, a lot of fun. I never even filled up the tank. I rode around with it for a little bit and go, okay, that was cool. But now I spent like 300 hours or whatever in this game and I'm ready to move on. I like to ride around with it with the Korok mask on and uh, so I can find Koroks more quickly. But the other DLC mentioning that that is the uh, Master Trials, which includes the includes a bunch includes several things. It's not just the Master the Master Trials. Uh, it includes the the mask we just talked about, 
It includes a portable teleportation ring that you can lay down so you can create, like there's a place you like to go that there's not a, a tower or a shrine very close to, like a, a, fav- a, fam- a favorite farming spot or whatever. You can put down this little ring and create a, a teleportation spot that you can go to at any time. There's, I mentioned the Majora's Mask. You can find Majora's Mask with this uh, DLC. And that, the Majora, so you know there's the animal mask you can find, right? You can find the monster mask you can get from Kilton, the monster vendor. Mike, did you ever get Kilton? No, I never found this. I, I didn't look for it either, to be fair. So Okay, yeah. So Kilton yeah, sells, Kilton, yeah. He Well, he first appears uh, in the northern part of the map at the Skull Lake. And then later he appears in the desert and he kind of goes, but yes, you can buy, you can buy special items from Kilton that include like a, a bunch of random stuff. This isn't DLC. This is the base game. And some of the stuff he sells is he sells like a Bokoblin mask. And it, it looks like a mask that someone in the world of Breath of the Wild made for Breath of the Wild's version of Comic-Con. It's like a really, <laughs> it's like a really good cosplay mask using like medieval style, medieval Renaissance era, like materials of a Bokoblin and you wear it and Bokoblin will think you're a Bokoblin and they'll walk up to you. They'll dance. They'll want to dance with you. They'll dance at you. If you crouch up and down, they'll crouch up and down too and start dancing. Um, And they, they won't, they won't aggro on you unless you attack them. And and then there's, 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 so there's a Bokoblin mask. There's a Lazal mask. uh, There's a Moblin mask. I think that's all there is that Kilton sells of the mask. I think so much. I don't, I don't think there's a Lionel mask. Is there there's a Lionel mask. Oh, there is a Lionel mask. The Lionel are not dumb, though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Lionel aren't dumb. They'll only be full for the Lionel mask for a few seconds, like maybe 15, 20 seconds before they, like, figure out that you're not a Lionel. They try to murder you. Yeah, they can smell you or something. But anyway, the Majora's mask acts as a everything mask. And so it's great for if you're wanting to just ride around looking for, you know, shrines or whatever. Wearing Majora's mask, you can just ride around. And the only things that will attack you are, like, bats, basically. We haven't really talked about the shrines much yet or at all. I mean, yeah. so the shrines are how you get more orbs that end up getting you more stamina, more hearts. You get four for you get one for each shrine you do. You get four. You can upgrade. I did, as I said earlier, I did 72. I That was enough for me. I was trying to do every one that I could do up until a point, And then I was just like, done. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you did a lot. There's only 120 in the game. Yeah, and I, in the, that's why I was 120 like. 120 in the base game. Yeah. I want to get as much of an experience whenever I whenever I do games on the show. I mean, I try, yeah. I try to beat every game on the show, period, and also try to get that full experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think I ever, I don't even know if I found all 120. I think I, I, I might have, but they're really fun. They're really fun. One of the best things about them is that so many of them, you don't have to, there's not like one thing you have to do. Like there's other, there's so much, so many ways you can just like break them or cheat them without even doing anything like glitchy. Like there's just like, you know, oh, I'm supposed to climb this thing, but I could instead use stasis and hit the, and, and hit this thing really hard. So it flies up in the air and I can ride it to the top and things like that. There's so many things you can do to get around these puzzles. And I love that. And my, my favorite of those is, the the ball puzzles where it's like one of those like tilt the switch yeah the where you're like tilting your yeah where you're doing that so and you have to move the ball into the thing and i was doing one of those one time and i just like i like just like flipped my my joy con real hard and it just threw the ball and it bounced off the wall and landed in the hole 
And it's like one, you know, one in a thousand shot. And they're like, oh, that's amazing. When you play it on a Switch Lite, they're not fun, by the way. I had to literally hold oh, the Switch up upside yeah. down, go underneath it, and go like, ah, oh, here it is. Like, I'm like, this is miserable. Yeah. I, I should mention my Switch was not used in handheld mode for more than about, I'd say, 20 minutes until 20, <laughs> till 2021. First four years I had it, I never used it in handheld mode, except for I took it on one trip once. And other than that, and even then, I mostly used it uh, propped up. And, See, and, I didn't even yeah. want to switch. We actually bought a Switch Lite when Animal Crossing came out during COVID because one of our friends in our friend group convinced people to like, hey, get Animal Crossing so we can have something we can do together. And that's why we have a Switch Lite because that's what my wife wanted and because couldn't find anything at that time. It's just now I'm trying to go through and play some Switch games. And Yeah, I, I, I didn't buy a Switch Lite because, you know, I I, I, uh, I repair consoles and I've, I've had to repair more joy cons than like anything else <laughs> pretty much. So, and I'm like, and, uh, re- fixing the, the drifting joy cons, fixing them on a switch light is a, is a real feat compared to on a, it's an, it's a super easy, like 15, 20 minute fix on a regular joy con. So that's why I didn't buy them. But I would say one more with the DLC, the, the, the main part of that second DLC is powering up the master sword. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. It's very difficult. To do. In fact, I don't know that I ever did the third, ver- the finish, the third one. I have no interest in buying that particular DLC. I will buy the the legend, the legend one or the champion, yeah. just because champion. it has story. I will not buy the other one for sure. Yeah, the the master trial. What it is is it's like a trial of the sword, and it's like even Tide Island. You go in with nothing, and you have to make it through like a tower, basically. And it's like every every so many levels. I think every like ten levels, you get a room that has a, some chest in it with some like food and stuff and there's a campfire where you can cook things but that is where like like you know you use bombs to blow up every single tree in this room and collect all the wood and then cook the wood into charcoal because charcoal fills a fourth of a heart and that's what you you have yeah it's it's very tough but when you get it fully upgraded the master sword now shoots a laser out of it like the original legend of zelda when you have full hearts that should just be in the game. That shouldn't be hidden like that. Well, at least they did it. But yeah, it's 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 and it's la- fun. It's difficult. But. And last thing I want to mention before we go into question, comments, and memories, I'm going to ask you guys too if you have anything else. But we haven't talked about. I want to talk about the Master Sword. I like the Master Sword experience in this. How you get it, mm-hmm. you have to go through the terrible Lost Woods again, and like it's still a very cool experience. And you have to have 13 hearts to pull it out. Like I thought all that because it'll good. literally kill you if you don't. <laughs> yes. I loved it. It felt very yeah. meaningful to to finally pick yeah. it up. Yes, it would have been so much less meaningful if it was just in a chest somewhere. Yeah. The whole yeah, and the Korok town. I know there was like there were shrines in the Korok. That's also what broke me because I was doing almost every shrine, and when I got to the Korok woods, and they're like, yeah, there's four shrines here, and I had to follow a fucking Korok, and he caught me the last second. I was like, oh, yeah. we're done. <laughs> and I love like going into the Lost Woods. The trick to finding the way into the center is I did not. Oh, you did okay. So the trick I is I did it. I did not like it. Oh, okay, yeah. So you hold a torch or any fire, and the flame moves toward where you're supposed to go. Oh, um, I didn't do that. I watched a YouTuber and copied where he ran. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. So you just you just carry a torch with you, and the the torch flame drifts in the direction you're supposed to go. Is the trick? Yeah, I should have asked was you guys. So I was I I. It took me a lot of tries. It took me a good half an hour to get through that place. Well, and there is a speed run trick to get inside it, which I did manage to pull off one time after I'd already done it. I just watched a video trying to do it where there's a hill on kind of the um, northeastern side that overlooks the Lost Woods. 
and you basically create you you put a, a log and you hit it a bunch of times with stasis and ride the log and it will launch you directly into the center and it took me at least 15 tries to to hit the to hit the great deku tree but you can actually hit the de- and completely skip the the purple smoke that's cool I yeah but it's it's very, i watched a youtuber i watched like a speedrunner do it and they did it like one try in the video anyway but it's <laughs> yeah. very it's very hard it's very very hard to do okay oh my god we didn't talk uh, about the final fight we'll do it afterwards oh nate what were you gonna say oh you don't want to talk about the final fight yet i do we can now that's what you oh. i just we're at the two hour mark and i'm like we or the sorry. raw audio i've, I'm I've like, been talking a lot sorry <laughs> yeah oh, I, I, I just be long i just wanted to say going into that final fight like i'll i was my day off from work all I did was cook food. I went and found some shrines. I got some, I made some elixirs. And then when my wife got home from work, I said, watch me beat this game. <laughs> and uh, that's when I fought the final fight. But it was like a really, I made it like an event, you know, it uh, might master. I was like all day, I'm just going to do this and get ready to fight Ganon. That's awesome. That's a great experience, though. I mean, like that. I'm I'm happy this game had made so many great experiences for people. Final fight, I think, is cool too. Like I, I mean, after you beat the four divine beasts, they, otherwise you got to fight all the fucking bosses in a row. But thank God I didn't. That fight was hell for me because I couldn't parry his lasers in the second form, so I ran around for five minutes waiting for <laughs> the ability to to fill back up for the Goron. Uh-huh, that was yeah. fun. <sighs> but and the final part where you fight the beast version and you ride the horse and have to shoot arrows, that was fun. That was a good. That was a good final fight. Part. Yeah, that part reminds me of the final fight in um, the phase two of the final fight in uh, Twilight Princess, which is that's my favorite final fight of any Zelda game is the is Twilight Princess's ending. And but yeah, this is really cool. It's very epic. Yeah, it's 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 great. And I love it. Very yeah, good. I, you, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Go you're good. I was I was just gonna say I like the the fights here because like the first one is challenging. You know, like you mm-hmm. you. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say you have to try or that you, you can just like in the second phase, it's just like easy baby mode. But like, it wasn't for you me. know, the, the first the first fight is like, you know, OK, I got to parry these. And I had never parried before then, you know, and I was like, I guess I'm going to try, you know, and then uh, pulling it off felt really cool. And then you get to the second phase and it's more like kind of just like a spectacle. You know, yeah. versus a, a difficulty thing, which I really like because it, it ends so cool. She's like, yeah, it, 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 it is. Boss. You just parry and win. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, actually, I was gonna say that is that is exactly like Dark Souls. If you can parry, it's super easy, and if you can't, it's very hard. I've done it both ways. <laughs> I've 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 never not parry cheesed. Uh, oh no, you know the last time I beat it, I didn't parry cheese, Gwen. But yeah, no, I love that. I love exactly that. I've, has anyone ever beaten it? Beaten Ganon without doing the Divine Beast? I have not. No, me either. I know that I. No I one should. If you don't, then I think you have to fight each of the bosses from the Divine yep. Beast first. You fight all four. Yeah, yeah I, but, but one at a time, right? Yeah, yeah. one at a time. Uh, and I looked like, it up because I was like, oh, maybe that would be a fun thing to do. But then I was like, oh, I still have to fight them. Like, that would just be, yeah, meh, you know. It's hard. Does Ganon but also have full health then, too, right? Because he doesn't yep. get blasted. But it's kind of like an epic moment when you go into that room and each of the divine, each of the champions ghost on the divine beast is like, we're here to help. We've got this. Yeah. And they all like fire the lasers across. And it's like, boom, and blow up. And you, yeah, that's really, and then you fall down into with the, with Ganon. And, but yeah, the pairing, you know, I, I, I kind of spent time. That was, again, something I looked up as I looked up a guide on how to parry pretty early. And so I spent a lot of time, uh, how to parry guardian blast specifically. So yeah, that, that second, that second slash first phase 
if you can parry, it's it takes like 45 seconds. But if you can't parry, it is probably pretty rough, I would think. It is, by the way. You have to do the Goron thing where you just you stand sort of in the right direction, hold down the shield, and it will parry it for you. Because yeah. you, if you do not parry it, there is no way to get out of the red form. Well, and one thing I'll say is if you do the Champion's Ballad DLC, you get a second cooldown on all of your powers. That's nice. So. All right. And uh, Barry, do you have any last things you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? Uh, not really. Just, I mean, at this point, if you haven't played Breath of the Wild and you're you're listening to this and you you, you should be turning this off afterwards and immediately getting Breath of the Wild and playing it because it's amazing. And guess oh, yeah. what? You can you can buy it for sixty dollars, just like people bought it in twenty seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> Still <laughs> worth it. Still worth it. Uh, it's but no, worth what, it. But fuck you. I, I was gonna say one cool thing I really like with the final boss because we're talking about it is I love. It's one of those things. Growing up with Zelda, you know Zelda one, two, three, and even four to an extent, all featured Ganon. That was you know Ganon was there in some sh- way, shape, or form. And once Ocarina of Time came out, which which obviously blew up, you know, everyone was talking about Ganondorf. And it was like, well, Ganondorf, but Ganon, he turned into Ganon. I'm like, okay, cool, we have that connection. But then it almost felt like there was like Ganondorf everything and less Ganon. And I was like, wait a minute. So it was cool to Fair. see the, the beast form come back into this. I mean, obviously, he never had the Ganondorf form, but to actually see the beast as the final thing, to always it always brings me back to Zelda 1. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, there we go. That That's what we want, beast Ganon. So it's it's really interesting, and of course that changes in Tears of the Kingdom because Ganondorf comes back, and it's 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 this weird flip flop. But I, I was happy to see that because I thought it was just going to be Calamity Ganon as the boss, and I was like, oh, it's just going to be this weird creature. It, it's very unrecognizable as Ganon, other than the pig face. So to see the beast was really really cool. Okay, Nate, any last things you want to mention before we go on to questions, or your daughter wants to mention? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think this game is really good. <laughs> okay. uh, and, and Blake, any sure. last things that we might have missed? You know, uh, not really. We've been pretty exhaustive, but I just do. I definitely want to encourage everyone to play it. And it, as long as you're not doing it for a podcast, I highly encourage people to at least go in blind, see what the game can offer you without guides, and just kind of let it wash over you and uh, just experience it fresh. Man, it's an experience. I disagree with that because I tried that, but no, that is, you are right. That is good for people. And I have way more comments than I'm going to be able to read on this show because I did I did not uh, anticipate how many people would comment, but I'm going to read what I can. From, I watched the entire Overblood Super Replay group first from Richard Sampson. I finally, friend of the show, I finally finished this last year. At first, I didn't care for it either, but then I played some other games and came to love this game and the rich lore of it. Now, did you find the three large skeletons and all the great fairies? Also, how did you react when they upgrade your outfit? I did not. I found two fairies, and I have no idea what the skeletons are. There's a quest dedicated to them. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I wasn't. I didn't talk to people either, so. Yeah, just like real life. <laughs> Antisocial. <laughs> yes, I, I, hey, I am. <laughs> all right, and from... Lucas Ianchi, sadly, I have the slightly opposite history with this game. I was totally in love when it first came out, but now I have some things I dislike about it. It's still a masterpiece, though. My biggest issue was that it's easy to become so powerful in the mid to late game that I didn't feel encouraged to play creatively anymore. The early game was super fun because I had to create clever solutions to problems I was too weak slash ill-equipped for. Luckily, Tears of the Kingdom fixes this a lot. All right. And from Spencer Boyle, 
this was my experience with Skyrim. I bought it day one, played for a few hours, got thrown into space by a giant and turned it off. I played it in 2020 and I was absolutely hooked because I mentioned how I did not enjoy this game the first time. From Jeff Ticknell, I did the same thing. Friend bought his Wii U on vacation one year and I watched him as his daughters played a bunch. They started a new game for me to try and I froze to death looking for the first shrine. They laughed. I got pissed, called the game garbage and didn't pick it up until I got a switch just before COVID hit. Then I put 60 hours plus and enjoyed the hell out of it. From Quentin Crow, guess I should give it another try as well. If I decide to pick up another Switch, I played for the first 10 hours and promptly removed the cartridge and put it on Craigslist. The world was so empty and boring to me, but there was also the time when I had become fed up with and ironically spoiled by open world games. Right. And uh, Barry, since I know you have to leave soon, I want to do your shelf stacker box quick because this is I still have shit I want to read. <laughs> no, you keep going. I, Are you I sure? Okay, just let me know. Um, from Autumn Severe, I did the same thing when I finally got it. I had 4th of July week off work that year and just powered through it and didn't put it down until I beat it. I enjoyed it well enough in the moment. Distribution was neat at the time, and the shrines were great. That said, over the course of play, I found myself slowly care less about the exploration near the end when it finally clicked in my brain that durability issue causing me to lose a good solid weapon wasn't worth clearing out a bunch of small mob camps just for a ruby or worse bow. All right. And last I'm going to read from this group from Justin McElwee. Literally had the same experience. Tried it the first time. I hated it. Gave it another try years later and absolutely love it now. And from the official Laser Time community, I'm going to read a couple of these because I got too many. From Steven Strom, really cool game. Played it at a friend's place and got off the tutorial island before stopping. Then bought it and played myself and got a bit further, but figured the game was just shrine so you eventually wanted to fight Ganon. And fell off of it. Forced myself to give it one more solid try. Came across the store area and fell in love with the game. I really liked my time with it. From John Morin. Waited three years to finally play it. And found it to be one of the least satisfying games i played through in a long time. All the time spent exploring or solving puzzles just to get sticks and weaker weapons that I already had. Game was really a high risk, low reward waste of time for me. That's how I felt at first. That changed, though. Completely changed. From Kyle Foster. This might be a bit of a controversial opinion, but I think this is straight up my favorite Zelda game some days. I picked this game my number one Zelda game, and some days I still pick A Link to the Past. Yeah. And from last, I'm going to read to this group from Dan Purchase. I've been chipping away at it for a year, and I don't want it to end. I'm purposely not going to Hyrule Castle. I wander and circle and find the things I miss, and it's perfect. Okay, you're playing it right. Uh, from Legend of Zelda Stoners. <laughs> from Fiona Aim, Breath of the Wild came out when I was a brand new mother. I bought it, but I had zero mental energy for it. Keep meaning to go back. You should. With the internet, you should go back. From Aaron Fine, I think Breath of the Wild is still my absolutely favorite game. It made me okay with studios pushing back release dates to finish the product. The world, the mechanics, the story, and the glitches. Glad you came back and got to enjoy it. From Catherine Noss. I wasn't sure about the game at first before I got it, but it sunk its claws into me very quickly. I didn't really know about it until COVID came around. We had nothing else to do. 800 hours later, and I still play along with Tears of the Kingdom. Damn. <laughs> Here's a good one from Chan Van. 40 hours? That's it? <laughs> yes, it was. And even if I didn't have a podcast, that would have been it either way. And from Austin Mayor Whitlock, where can I find your podcast? You can find it anywhere. As I posted in the link after that, but I have to read those. Another one from Clayton White, 40 hours, and put a little face, like, <laughs> from Marco Pernat, sorry, soon, try Tears of the Kingdom. It's Breath of the Wild, but in so much better and bigger. Bigger does not make me want to play that, but play it. Rip, rip Cryonis, though. Lost my boy. I don't know who that is. That's the power where you can, like, cross fast rivers of lake by just making ice blocks come out. Oh, yeah. okay. They I took never it did out that, by the way. The I just swam. Really? Yeah. Oh. I forgot okay. I could do it until the game made me for puzzles. Just oh, wow. me. It's a funeral for one. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I love Tears of the Kingdom. I still, I think I, Breath of the Wild, I, I prefer to some extent. And part of it is I, I miss the powers. And from Mike Cooper, how'd you like that first Guardian encounter? 
I didn't like any of them. <laughs> so, all right, from Neely Nodel, I put in like 350 hours, I think, and I'm still at 45% completion. I got every tower shrine quest, but I only got 120-ish Korok, and that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> from Gary Brennan, I never finish it in 40 hours. I always takes me three times that long, and I'm fast. From Karen L, 40 hours, you need to get back in there and keep playing. You missed a lot. <laughs> I, I didn't. You know what? I got to, as I, any, any open world game, I saw enough where I'm like, I am done. I don't uh, Mike, need to see any more. Mike, did you ride a bear? No. I killed a bear. Does that count? I made a personal challenge, which I eventually succeeded in. I rode everything in the game that can be ridden, which is actually multiple things. So, including a bear. Bear, bear was the probably the hardest. I'm going to read just two more from this group. From Tolly Quinn. I absolutely hated this game when I first started. I got so pissed at it. I put it down for over a month. I came back out of spite, finally got off the plateau, and everything changed. And from Blake Musgrove, my brother got Breath of the Wild when it came out. I got to play for a few minutes and got pissed about the weapon durability. Last year, I just tried it again and found it incredible. Wild how taste changed. <laughs> Me too. And last group I'm going to read from, I'm not going to be able to read a lot of these, but I'm going to try to read some. From the Zelda fan group. Thank you guys for commenting. From Beverly DeCone, I bought this game for my son, but I ended up being the sole player of this game. I love it. From David Mulsher, I started playing the Breath of the Wild, and it's so fun. I'm going through trying to find all the shrines. I've always enjoyed playing Zelda games. From Ruben Rattana, it's a masterpiece. True nostalgic peeps will say it is not a Zelda game, but for me it was a dream come true to have a Zelda open world game, plus the... The vibes in the game as Hyrule was taken by Ganon. It's not a perfect, of course, but it's one of the most enjoyable Zelda games for me. I would only add a more variety of music for the outside world, but man, that game is so much fun and adventure. From Jennifer Addison, I struggle when I first played it because I got through the beginning. And I'm like, now what? I tend to prefer to be guided a bit more in these games rather than being let loose in a big sandbox with nothing pointing me anywhere. <laughs> me too. Fix that by finding a playthrough on YouTube and just played along with that. My decision paralysis is thankful for YouTube. Hey, I'm the same way. YouTube is the how I played a lot of this, too. And from Blade Suter, great game. My fiance just put about 40 hours in over the last month and beat it, too. Gotta say I was impressed. She found stuff I couldn't because this game is huge. Uh, from Travis Mason, where's the podcast? Would love a link. Here you go, sir. Is that one in the chat? I have to read those always. I can't help myself. Uh, and I'll read, I'll read last one. Uh, from Rob DeRusso, good game, but tears is better. Yeah, I'll find out someday. <laughs> And before we wrap up questions, just have a, one last thing I almost forgot about, Discord. So if you're on our Discord, I do have a, a server or a channel you can post about your questions. And from a gamer looks at 40, Bill Tucker, said Breath of the Wild is my favorite Zelda game. Few games match the sense of exploration and discovery of Breath of the Wild. I even like, no, love breakable weapons. Help me shed the idea of item hoarding and let me be free to play in the sandbox with the, the tools Nintendo gave me. Could go on and on about Breath of the Wild. And he will, because he's going to cover it on his show at some point, actually. He did a whole Zelda thing. No, he did a whole Zelda thing. What am I talking about? Go check out his show. From Wolfman566, Breath of the Wild came out at a perfect time for me. I love the exploration. Divine Beasts were a neat substitute for dungeons. Shrines were fun to come up with off-the-wall solutions. Overall, it's one of my favorite Zelda games, but to me, it does fall short as a Zelda game. The story wasn't great. Finding the memories felt like a chore. My final gripe comes from my own choice to get the Master Sword after the first Divine Beast. The boss fights were stupid easy with the Master Sword. And from Michael Colby. I had fun with it while I was playing it, but when it went back and found the world lifeless and boring, it's the game that made me realize I don't like Zelda fame. Okay? And before we go to Shelf Stack Box, I do want to give away one Steam code, because I need to get rid of these damn codes. Uh, we're going to give away a code for Paradise Killer. I think you mentioned that game, Blake, didn't you, before? Oh. Yes, it's one of my all-time favorite games. So here's so the awesome. Steam 
I haven't played it, but I own it. So <laughs> here's a Steam code. Uh, 7QCKD2PVEEXDZQ8. That is a Steam code for Paradise Killer, whoever gets that. And let's go to Shelf Stacker Box and... Barry, what about you? Shelf, stack, or box? Easy shelf. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's <laughs> such an amazing game and so meaningful. And I mean, if you're listening at this point, I think it's fairly obvious where many of us stand with this game. But it's it's definitely a shelf. Okay. And Barry, where can people find you on again? You can find me on Twitter uh, at Hawk Hellfire. You could also find premiumeditiongames.com where you could pre-order our latest releases as well as buy a bunch of in-stock physical Switch games and PlayStation 4 or 5 games uh, right now. All right. And Nate? This controversial opinion. Put it in the stack. I think it is a really good game, but going back to it, uh, did not... I missed the linearity and the storytelling that like previous Zelda games had. It's still really like it's a phenomenal game, but I personally for me I want dungeons and items. <laughs> I'm the same. And I'll I'll double down with with Nate. I'll go next. I'm also going to put some the stack. I had a great time with my first 5 hours were brutal. I didn't really have a lot of fun till later this game clicked for me and I'm the same way. I missed the dungeons, I miss items, I miss Getting an item that I then use to solve said dungeon. But, I mean, I know it's cliche, but that's why I'm playing this Zelda game. I had a great time. This game is amazing, but I also just not my type of world either. So, but stack. But still, I loved it. Just I don't want to put it on my shelf. And Blake. Oh, this one's definitely going on the shelf where it gets its own pedestal, perhaps a little mini spotlight, maybe a lazy Susan to properly <laughs> display it. <laughs> just a masterpiece of like textbook game design, in my opinion. Right. And Carrie. Ah, uh, fuck this game. Put it in the box. No. Uh, <laughs> this game is not only on the shelf. I think it's currently in my Switch, just in case I want to play something. I yeah, this is I mean it's my very favorite game ever. So definitely, definitely on the shelf. All right. And I, I want to thank you guys so much because it's, it's it's because of you guys and other people in this podcast, but mainly you guys that really convinced me to finally play this game and to finally have this experience that everybody talked about that seemed like a unicorn to me that I was never going to have that experience. And I mean, yes, I didn't have the exploration one, but I got to play it the way that I needed to play it. And I got to beat it and experience it and love it. Not happy. I paid a hundred dollars altogether for this game twice, but I'm happy that I, that I bought it on, on a eBay, but I'm happy. I finally finished it. And like, I finally can appreciate breath of the wild, not look at that cover and go, what an ugly, what an ugly game and hate that game. Like, I, after I beat this game, went to a, I went to the Mall of America, and I bought a calendar of Zelda, and January is Breath of the Wild. I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with that now. Like, I'm happy. It doesn't bother me. I got, that, always been a I got that calendar for my my son for Christmas this year. He's, he's, he was, and he came, he's like, my, he goes, Breath of the Wild is January. Uh, it's it's so cool. And it, it's really, like, it was just such a, I'm so happy that I had this experience, and it's all thanks to people that convinced me to do it. You guys talk so much and and help me along the way. Like while we while I was playing this game, I did more than I do normally. I was chatting a lot with you guys, asking me what does this do? How do I do this? Like I'm confused. I'm I, and it, you guys help me enjoy the game more than I would have otherwise. So, I'm glad. Yeah. And uh, next week we are going to be talking about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Good game. game. Yeah. Favorite Star Wars game. <laughs> it's a good game. I just finished it two days ago. So. <laughs> And last thing I'm going to say before we just do plugs is thank you everyone for listening to the show. It's been going for five years and I couldn't have done it without everyone listening. All the people that joined me, I mean, you guys and everyone else, like it's made the show so special. And I 
love doing this and I can't wait to do another. I'll easily get into another five years. And yeah, and it had to be a big game. It had to be a big game for the five year. So here we are. Nice. And Nate, where can we find you at? You can find me on TikTok at Nate Does Comedy 79. I did look and verify that that is what it is. <laughs> All right. And there's a link in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yes. And Carrie. Hey, I'm on Twitch and YouTube as Carousetta, K-E-R-O-O-S-E-T-A. I modify and repair video game consoles on there. Getting back to doing that after about a year off from doing that. And then I also just kind of turn on Twitch anytime I'm playing pretty much anything. A lot of Apex Legends lately with my son. Okay. And if you would, oh, oh yeah. and where's your son's YouTube? Oh, oh, thank you. Uh, Natropy, N-A-T-R-O-P-Y underscore dragon. He makes these, he's very artistic. He does these uh, dragon puppets and makes little uh, Mimi TikTok type videos with them, YouTube shorts. He's got over 200 followers now. So he's real, you'll, you'll make his day if you go and subscribe to him on YouTube. And there's a link in the show notes to every episode that, you, that you've been on since it started. So people can yeah. follow him too on there. You'll see a link in there. And awesome. for everything that's been mentioned, you'll see a link in the show notes. If you want to support the show, little Patreon, little dollar vote in our Patreon poll, you'll see a link in the show notes for that. Please support the show and, and help affect the show. Makes me happy. And please join our Discord. As you heard earlier, as I'm going to re-record, <laughs> there are questions from Discord that I'm going to put in there. So you can easily chat with us on Discord and comment on there. So definitely go follow all that. Please join us. See a link in the show notes for our Discord. I want you to shout out to my awesome intro and outro, outro courtesy of Elena at Hell Half Fury. You can follow her on TikTok, Twitch instagram you'll see a link to her link tree and everything in there i want to give a shout out to bill tucker to the mcu movies with me he's on this podcast all the time check out his show a gamer looks at 40 and i wasn't gonna say also and please and check out no men's a fantasy and also please follow us on facebook instagram twitter threads blue sky tiktok squirrel videos mostly and youtube audio only you can find us on everything there and thank you and you have a great night bye everybody bye thanks Thanks for Bye, me. guys.